0: Maverick News presents the Rick Walker show
1: defrag your mind
0: welcome back everybody hello Maverick family and new viewers the world is watching again and we have a lot of stuff to share with you and show you tonight. Show and tell. Oh boy, where should we begin tonight? Uh, well, I'll tell you, in about an hour, we should be joined by Adam Skelly and a couple of people from his team. Adam Skelly, as you know, is the was the proprietor of Adamson's barbecue one of the first businesses if not the first business to be shut down or not shut down but charged i think he was the first one to be charged one of the first in the province of ontario under the reopening ontario act uh, at the height of the pandemic when the government was forcing small businesses far and wide to close while still allowing many big box stores and certain other businesses to remain open. You may recall that the Toronto mounted unit, police mounted unit went in there and it was quite the spectacle. He's been fighting a legal battle ever since. And he isn't giving up. Could have taken a plea deal like so many others, but he is fighting and his team believes they have. a special case, a unique case, because of the way that they are approaching it. They're hoping to set a legal precedent with a victory that could, in their view, benefit the entire country, all freedom fighters and Canadians in general, by establishing a precedent based on evidence showing They hope to prove that uh, the government overreacted, that there was no emergency to the level that the government told us there was, and that these lockdowns were unfair and unconstitutional. Now, I may not be expressing this or describing the situation in exactly the right, using exactly the right words, but that's why. Adam and his team will be here very shortly for an interview talking about where their case is at because they now have a court date, a new court date, after having the case initially sort of dismissed, but he's not giving up. They're going back to court, going to hear this case, we'll tell you where they're at, and we'll explain how you can help. So all that coming up in about one hour. Between now and then, we are going to touch on the news of the day, the top stories of the day. And of course, right at the top of the uh, the pile, the news pile, we have stories about Israel-Hamas, these uh, these conflicts around the world. You know, the Ukraine war, the Israel-Hamas situation, Bob Ray. Ambassador to the UN for Canada, uh, caught on a hot mic after saying something. We'll show you what that was. Saying something that uh, some raised a few eyebrows when he said, see how that flies. And we'll show you what he was saying just prior to that that <laughs> relates to, to that hot mic comment, which I don't think he intended to go out around the world. Uh, what else is there? Trudeau addressing the Liberal caucus, and his speech sounds a whole lot like pre-election talk. A lot of rhetoric aimed directly at Pierre Polyev, leader of the Conservative Party, and it's, it's pretty fiery stuff, sort of. Um, also, men, if it's that time of the month, and you're having... Difficulty making ends meet. Maybe you can't afford to buy your feminine, or should I say unisex, hygiene products. It's okay. We have a conservative member of parliament who (laughs) is pointing out the absurdity of providing free feminine hygiene products to, well, Without actually coming out and saying that it's, that's why it's absurd, you'll see what I mean. It's sort of a soft pedal, politically correct way of pointing up political incorrectness. We'll get into that too. Uh, it's just the conservative way in a, in a new political era where immigration and changing demographics uh, have forced politicians to change the way they speak. Uh, what else? If we have time, we will we will talk about yet another movie, sort of not a post-apocalyptic, but a- an apocalyptic movie about maybe a coming Civil War. And we'll discuss whether these movies coming out, like uh, Leave the World Behind, for instance, if they are a form of predictive programming. If you don't know what that is, stick around. We'll explain that. And Tesla is recalling Hundreds of thousands of cars across Canada and the United States. We'll tell you why they're doing that. And uh, we're going to have some other stuff, too. Yeah, two million cars, I believe, in total. Yeah, two million cars from Tesla in... The United States and about uh, almost 200,000 in Canada. That's a lot of Teslas. I didn't realize they'd sold that many, but apparently they have. Anyway, we'll dig into that story and many others on the other side of this.
1: Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick news. Maverick news. Defending free speech. Free speech. speech. Donate. At freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News.
2: The, the world is, is washing.
3: Jingle bells, Trudeau smells, Biden laid an egg, Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal, but tomorrow is a brand new day, hey everyone, have a Merry Maverick Christmas, and a magnificent new year.
0: It's juvenile, but it's festive, and I like it. I made it, and I'm going to run it, because it's Christmas. And I can, so I'm doing it. Uh, (laughs) And it makes me smile, and we need to smile more, because the world has become a very crazy place. Insanely insane. Uh, where are we going to begin tonight with all the crazy stuff? Well, we know that. Um, what else? What do we know? We know that the judge, a judge today, the judge presiding over the uh, federal election interference case against Donald Trump, has stopped all legal proceedings in the in the case, pending the outcome of Trump's appeal. He's arguing that he is protected through presidential immunity in this case. So all pending deadlines, all court dates in this case have now been paused by U.S. District Judge Tanya Chitkin. So the judge in the decision today wrote, if jurisdiction is returned to this court, it will consistent with its duty to ensure both a speedy trial and fairness for all parties consider at that time, whether to retain or continue the dates of any still future deadlines and proceedings, including the trial scheduled for March 4th, 2024. So this ruling does not affect Trump's conditions of release that gag order that we know has been imposed or the protective order in the case So Stephen Chung, uh, the spokesperson for the Trump campaign, says the ruling is a big win for President Trump. He says it's also a win for the rule of law because it derails, in his words, deranged Jack Smith's rush to judgment strategy of interfering in the 2024 presidential election in support of Joe Biden's campaign. Um, Peter Carr is the spokesperson for the special counsel, uh, Jack Smith. And he has not yet commented on this latest development. Trump has said that the Constitution grants him, in his words, absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for actions performed within the outer perimeter. I should say these are actually the words of his legal team saying that. The Constitution grants Trump absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for actions performed within the outer perimeter of his official responsibility. That language really coming from uh, legal precedents that were set during the Nixon Watergate scandal and subsequent legal proceedings that surrounded uh, the order for Nixon to release those. White House tapes. Um, So he's. They're saying that he is. Immune while serving as president. As long as he was not. Both impeached and convicted. For those actions. The point of this is. This is still to be resolved. And we have to sit back and wait. And let the process play out. Could have serious. A serious impact on the upcoming presidential election, this could affect whether Trump is actually able to run in the end. Or if he does run, he might be doing it from behind clo- behind bars or, or not. I'm inclined to think not, but we shall see. Strange how these legal questions have sort of come full circle since the Nixon era and are now affecting Trump these legal precedents that were set, even though Nixon ended up resigning, you know, it wasn't like he was uh, thrown in jail and then president Ford afterward pardoning him. So that's the way she goes. Don't know where it's going to end up, but we're watching it closely. Um, What else do we have for you tonight? we have tesla tesla has uh is recalling 2 million vehicles in the united states 193,000 in canada apparently um tesla will provide over the air software an over the air software update to fix the advanced driver assistance features in the vehicles. So these vehicles were produced between October 5th, 2012 and December 7th of this year. There has been a lengthy investigation by the U.S. National Highway Safety Administration. U.S. safety regulators um, had been investigating a number of crashes involving Tesla's autopilot feature, and some of them were fatal. And that's what this is all about. It's um, timely, I guess. This is happening, given that we saw that movie come out. Um, If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix called Leave the World Behind, and there's a scene... Um, in this sort of apocalyptic thriller, sci-fi, conspiracy theory, conspiracy reality, um, drama, whatever you want to call it. It's about a cyber attack that results in massive blackouts. It's about that cyber attack being used to initiate what appears to be some sort of a, Invisible coup in the United States. Political coup. stars Julia Roberts. Kevin Bacon. And there's a scene. Where Teslas. Without drivers. um, Are are driving down. A highway. Smashing into. Each other. Creating a giant. Pile up of, of white Teslas. Clogging up the road so. Nobody can get through. And. It's because the cars got hacked. Now we're seeing Tesla recalling, well, 2.2 million of these things to provide software updates to the autonomous driving features in these cars. It was kind of a creepy movie. And uh, I got to tell you, it's not not the only one. That is focusing on the possibility of maybe even like a civil war type scenario in the United States. Uh, we're seeing now there's another movie that is coming out, and I believe it is called exactly that. I think it is called Civil War. I have a trailer here for you, show you what this is about, and again, is this. Predictive programming, predictive programming. It's where government or political groups that are manipulating things, the people in power, the elites, if you will, they uh, they implant messages into mass media especially movies, music, commercials, magazines, print, online content, and so on, showing you exactly what they have planned. At least that's the idea. And then that begs the question, is this something that they have planned or is this material that later becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy? In any event, this next movie coming out Sort of like a seems almost feels like a sequel to Leave the World Behind. And uh, let's let's run this for you now. This is a um, it's coming out in 2024 next year. It's about a war happening in America. And as you know, that other movie, the World Leave the World Behind, is uh, well, seen by some as part of a psyop almost, maybe. And this one here, it's it's sort of more straight to the point and more, I guess it's just more straight up Civil War type action flick. Question is, is it, uh, is it just uh, an indication of things to come or is this just pure entertainment? Let's watch the trailer and find out, shall we? states have seceded the united states army ramps up activity the white house issued warnings to the western forces as well as the florida alliance the 3 president, president assures the uprising will be dealt with swiftly
2: let me know if you want to try anything out
0: i guess aware it's like a
4: pretty huge civil war going on all across america we just try to stay out
5: with what we see on the news seems like it's for the best <laughs>
6: Four. Citizens of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military.
7: Mr. President, do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens?
1: Oh we are moving to D.C. today.
2: You need to go down there.
1: They shoot journalists on site in the Capitol. Every instinct in me
4: says this is death.
5: Flooded. Every time I survived a war zone,
7: I thought I was sending a warning
5: home. Don't do this.
7: But here we are.
5: There's some kind of misunderstanding here.
1: What? Well, you're American, okay?
7: Okay. What kind of American are you?
8: You don't know.
3: The Western forces will reach the White House on July fourth. Oh my God! Get in the car! Get in the car! Move! Move!
2: Move! You're gonna hang back. I'm not hanging back.
6: One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all
8: god bless america Hmm.
0: Is it real or is it just entertainment?
2: You decide.
1: Maverick News. The world is watching.
0: So apparently, according to this, there was a highway in Los Angeles that uh, was shut down. I guess this was today. Let me just check this giant protest. Yep. 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 75 arrested 75 people. It was a 110 freeway in downtown LA. Here are some images, some video, 110 freeway in LA. This was uh, a pro Palestinian protest. Look at the traffic backed up. So this was in the middle of the morning during rush hour. And this is always a congested thoroughfare. I don't know if you've ever driven in L.A. I have. Traffic is, is, to say the least, pretty thick. So they were out there, these protesters, calling for a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. And, of course, they chanted and they sang and they erected a seven-foot menorah in the middle of the freeway in downtown L.A. on Wednesday. Behind them, there was a huge traffic jam. Drivers were not impressed. Angry motorists up and down the highway. A lot of angry people lashing out at the protesters. And we're going to see a whole lot more of this. Here's a... As you can see, okay. I've got a photo here also of that menorah. Here we go. Show you that. California Highway Patrol notified shortly after 9 a.m. It says here that the freeway was blocked by 10 a.m. Officers were detaining protesters, leading them over to two dozen police cruisers. And then they brought in a tow truck. They were removing protesters' vehicles that were left blocking traffic. By 10.30, the last protester had been led away, and the freeway was fully reopened by 11.30 a.m. And as I say, they arrested 75 protesters on suspicion of failing to comply with a dispersal order, according to the California Highway Patrol. Yeah. And in Washington, D.C., during that, uh, the other day, there was that uh, Hanukkah event in D.C. And then this happened as some of the Jewish people were leaving. And this is, uh, to say the least, disturbing. Listen to what they're chanting. Yelling at this man as he's walking down the street these these protesters who are outside the event
2: this happened
0: So it continues. And at the UN, Bob Ray, ambassador, stated Canada's position on the two state solution, and then got caught on a hot mic making a comment afterward. Let me roll that for you. Here we go. This is Bob Ray. You may recall, Bob Ray used to be the Premier of Ontario, now serving at the UN representing Canada. And here he is in action. Canada remains committed to the goal
1: of a comprehensive, a just, and a lasting peace in the Middle East, including the creation of a Palestinian state, living side by side in peace and security with the state of Israel. Thank you, Mr. Vice President.
0: And wait for- I
1: thank
8: the distinguished representative of Canada. I now give a floor to distinguished representative
2: of Iceland.
0: See how that flies. Mm. So that's making headlines just because he said that, which I guess makes some wonder if there's any reason for optimism because he doesn't seem to be too confident. Well, see how that flies. Difficult times, very difficult times. And you know what else is difficult? Mental illness. I submit to you that the people running this country are mentally ill. They're suffering from some strange form of illusion? These liberal NDP, left-wing, neoliberal, woke, crazy people i have said for a long time the lunatics are running the asylum. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've all by now heard about the government's initiative to put women's hygiene products into all men's washrooms. You can't make it up. It's actually happening. So today, Michelle Ferreri, conservative member of parliament, produced this video and posted online showing you exactly what's going on. And this is in the parliament buildings. This is in the nation's capital, at the where the government meets every day. And, uh, and this is actually this is actually happening. It's actually happening. Here she is.
5: Hey, everyone. Michelle Ferrier here, Member of Parliament for Peterborough-Kortha. And I'm standing in the hall of uh, my Confederation building on Parliament Hill. This is my Ottawa office, so you can see right here. So this is a federally regulated space. I'm a federally regulated employee. Now, I'm going to take you on a little tour today, and I'm going to show you something that I think is going to astound you. When we talk about wasteful spending and a cost of living crisis that is created because of wasteful spending, I'm going to tell you something. The average uh, income of a Canadian is around 64, $65,000. That's according to um, online sources that we have sourced. The average income of a federally regulated employee is $70,000. Now, period poverty is a very real thing. And we have the highest food bank usage in history. Meaning people who can't afford food also can't afford period products. So you will see many often uh, period products in food banks, which makes total sense. But what if I told you that liberal NDP government is mandating that period products be available in all federally regulated workspaces. So for people who have an average income of $70,000, they are going to have access to period products. Shouldn't that be going to people who can't afford them? Dylan is from my office. Dylan, we're going to go into the men's bathroom here in a federally regulated building. You're going to give a little check for me. Make sure there's no one in there. Hello? No,
2: we're good.
5: Yeah, we're good. Come on in. So this is the, the men's bathroom. And I want to show you what has been put in the bathrooms. That is period products for federally regulated employees. I can't stress enough to you how out of touch this is in a cost of living crisis when people who can't afford to eat, they can't afford to buy these things. But again, the Liberal NDP government is prioritizing their own needs over the people who are most vulnerable and hurt by their policies that is driving up the cost of living. This is not common sense. I hope you share this video. And you know what, I might just take a couple of these myself and walk them down to the Ottawa Food Bank where they would be best. Used. Not here. Thank you.
0: You know, the thing about that video, though, don't know if you picked up on it, but what was she directing the the concern toward the cost? Which is legitimate. But not really making much of the fact that men don't menstruate. Now, well, what's what's the purpose of putting that those products into men's washrooms? I suppose if you have a woman who identifies as a man and therefore uses a men's washroom, they might make use of the products. But then you're into the whole question of should a woman identifying as a man be in the men's washroom? That's sort of another question. The reality is this is insane. But you see the conservatives, they're identifying the insanity. They're targeting the insanity, trying to bring things back to some place of common sense, but because we're living in these strange politically correct times with twisted realities and distorted definitions on words, they can't come right out and use plain language. Lest they be labeled transphobic, homophobic, racist, bigoted, you This is that is whatever. And they don't want to alienate voters. They don't want the label. So they're choosing their words very carefully and watering things down. So they're trying to play the game because they are politicians and they are in opposition. And, but you can't, they just can't seem to just come right out and speak plainly anymore. Even when they're trying to. It just shows how truly insane everything has become how orwellian when you just can't come right out and state the obvious even when you're standing in opposition to the insanity this is some sort of a collective society-wide mental illness liberalism neo-liberal wokeism cultural marxism i would say it is uh an orchestrated, choreographed assault on our society and our culture and on common sense. And I think we need to get back to a place where the politicians can just come right out and call it as they see it without fear of being labeled a this or a that. Everyone should be able to just speak plainly. But that also raises the whole issue of free speech. Even these politicians are not allowed to engage in free speech. If they do cross a line, a woke political, a woke line of political correctness, they'll be punished in parliament, in public, on the campaign trail. And there is an election coming up, and the conservatives are way out in front. Polyev now almost doubling. Trudeau's Trudeau's um, rating of support in the latest polls. He has almost twice as much support as Justin Trudeau uh, to be the next leader, the next prime minister of Canada. So we'll see if he gets there. And they know how to play the game. They, they know that they can't say this and they can't say that, uh, so they're... Man, it is a tough tightrope to walk, this political correctness language line. And speaking of language, Justin Trudeau really ramping up the rhetoric and aiming it directly at Pierre Polyev, who has been scoring big points against Trudeau in the House of Commons, most notably of late with a 30-hour Marathon where they stood in opposition to the government's carbon tax plan, with over twenty thousand artificial intelligence-generated um, amendments <laughs> that they had to go through, and as a result, they spent thirty hours in the House where the Conservatives were voting against every single thing in uh, the 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 Liberal government's latest. Economic proposal. So I would say, though, that in a way that was misguided because the liberals are already using the votes that the conservatives cast against all of these different economic measures as ammunition to attack them, saying that they're against basically everything, including um, a museum for Holocaust victims where they voted against that. Therefore, they must be against the Jewish people. In reality, they were voting against everything that the the government was proposing to stand in opposition to their plan, their whole overall economic plan, which included the carbon tax. And they did hold things up for a while. This is the second time Pierre Polyev has staged sort of a long marathon session He actually did almost, well, he he mirrored what happened in that movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Jimmy Stewart, where he stood up previously many months ago and just spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke to filibuster for hours and hours and hours and hours. But I'm not so sure that in this particular case it was the wisest course because they voted against a lot of things that I think they actually are in favor of but because of what was going on at the time, they voted against this. And now the liberals saying they voted against this and they voted against that. I don't know how far all that will go, but yeah, they can now stand up and say that the conservatives are basically opposed to everything. Well, Trudeau addressing the liberal caucus was using language that sounded very much yesterday like pre-election rhetoric. Uh, You can pretty much bank on this, folks. I've been saying that If his numbers do not improve, in the polls, Justin Trudeau will be under intense pressure and likely will resign sometime in the new year. However, he has announced his intention to run again, says he's going to do it, stood up and gave this fiery speech, taking shots directly at Pierre Polyev and uh, even using some of the, the bullets that I just mentioned that the conservatives gave Trudeau on the political front so he could shoot back at their voting record now in the House. So I'm not sure if that was the wisest course of action or not, uh, Pierre Polyev's part. But anyway, that's what they have to live with. I I noticed as well the former leader, Andrew Scheer, the other day standing up in that scrum uh, during that 30-hour marathon session, coming out answering questions for the media that day. Um, and he was asked about all these things that the Conservatives had voted against over the course of that 30 hour marathon. And you could see it in his eyes. Sheer seemed very uncomfortable with it. I mean, he's sort of more left wing and woke anyway. he's sort of a red liberal in my view. wasn't the most wasn't very really a very effective leader. probably have much better. But you can see that he was uncomfortable with it. There was something in his eyes and his demeanor on that day. Anyway, here's Trudeau, and uh, listen to the way he's speaking. This is definitely pre-election talk, folks. We are not far away from the campaign beginning.
7: One of traditions. je suis très heureux d'être tous ensemble ce What a great pleasure it is here to be here. And it's getting colder these days, so how about kicking it off with a huge warm round of applause for the work of every MP, staffer, and volunteer in this room tonight?
0: Adam Skelly coming up shortly.
7: And, and while we're on applause, how about a massive round of applause for someone who gave her farewell speech in the house tonight, Carolyn Bennett. Where is Carolyn? Can her table please put up her hands? Here we go. There you are. Okay. There they are, right over there. Carolyn, like I said in the House today, um, I have benefited from your advice, your leadership, your support, and your friendship for the 15 years since I first got elected. Uh, And I have to say something that we would all want to be able to say or have said of ourselves after we leave this place. Canada is a so much better Place because you served for 26 years in the House of Commons. Merci, ma chère amie. We'd be here all night if I listed everything she's done. But my friends, it's because of all your work that we can continue to deliver for Canadians. Your work is more important than ever in this period where we're all experiencing. A lot of change, change in interest rates, change in the world order, change in the environment, change in the way we work, change in culture. All this change can be disorienting. This is why the choices we make right now are so consequential because the world is going through change. And we need to make sure that this change benefits Canadians. Because in this pivotal moment, all politicians have to ask themselves, are we going to tackle the problems people are facing? Or are we going to exploit them? Are we going to solve the problems making Canadians more anxious? Or make people? more anxious for our own advantage. Well, we, as liberals, with hope and hard work, we need to take the challenges of change and make them opportunities for everyone.
0: Okay, let me just pull down out of it. He says, in that speech, solve or exploit. And there is a growing suspicion that the liberals, some liberals and some liberal supporters and liberal oriented companies, maybe have been exploiting, <laughs> were exploiting the pandemic, um, including pharmaceutical company that took, I think it was 300 million Canadian dollars and never actually produced anything and then shut down. Um, so today Trudeau is confronted about alleged staggering cons- con- corruption and his billion dollar green slush fund. Um, we've seen a whistleblower now expose a 150 million dollar um, deal that uh, resulted in the misappropriation, potentially or allegedly, of tax dollars. And the government, so far, not being held accountable, but maybe we're getting to that point. Uh, there is increasing attention being focused on this. This is what happened in the House today, and we'll come back to his speech a little later on. But uh, this is, uh, well, this is, I think, worthy of dipping into right now
6: committee the hand-picked liberal chair of this prime minister's billion dollar green slush fund was exposed as having used staff at the fund to round up 10 million dollars for her project that had been deemed in eligible, and then she literally ran out of the committee, shutting off the cameras because she didn't want to answer any more questions. This NDP, Liberal government, failed to protect taxpayers from embezzlers and swindlers swindlers, to the tune of $150 million. After eight years, this Prime Minister isn't worth that cost. When will Canadians get back their missing millions? The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, the Minister
7: of Innovation has already accepted the resignation of the CEO and chair. investigations are made and issues arise it's both appropriate and necessary for there to be a review of the matter those investigations and reviews are currently underway and we look forward to the results
6: of those investigations the honorable member from Leeds Grenville Thousand Islands and Rideau Lakes well it's going to be more in depth than the whitewash investigation that this prime minister and his minister put forward they're under investigation by the auditor general two conflict of interest and in ethics commissioner investigations their board chair his hand picked chair resigned in race along with the CEO. The prime minister was handing out millions after his minister knew that these, his insiders had their hand in the cookie jar, taking 150 million taxpayer dollars. This prime minister isn't worth the cost after eight years, and his NDP liberal government couldn't be more out of touch. So who got rich, and where did the missing millions go?
0: Indeed, and I think we will be hearing a lot more about that as we head into the next election. Now I have this shorter clip compiled by Rebel News, and we'll just take advantage of their editing here so that we don't have to sit through um, in pain, sit through the pain of listening to all of what Trudeau had to say. So here's this shorter version that will help sum up what it was that we were getting at earlier.
7: See, people ask me, why do I want to run in the next election? It's because I'm fighting for the middle class. I'm fighting for reconciliation. I'm fighting for climate change. I'm fighting to build an economy that works for all Canadians. I'm running because now is not the time to stop fighting for progress. But the more interesting question to me is, why does Pierre Polyev want this job? To import far-right populist politics to Canada? To call people's homes shacks and use homeless people as props? To ramp up bullying on two slgbtqi class kids? as a wedge for politics? To cut the programs Canadians rely on, like dental care and childcare? To be honest, I don't think he knows the answer to that question, and that's what makes him so reckless.
0: Well, you see how he was using the votes that were cast during that 30-hour marathon as uh, political bullets to take shots at the conservatives? That's why, I don't know, it was a double-edged sword, that strategy, but we'll see how far they get with that. Just heads up, election is coming. I think next year we'll see if Trudeau even does end up running. Says he's going to, but we shall see. Um, as we wait for all of our guests to assemble here in the back room, I will tell you as well that, that, uh, impeachment inquiry is going to go ahead from the looks of things. So we know that house Republicans voted today to authorize That impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, it's a formal step that Republicans believe will grant them the ability to better enforce their subpoenas in the courts. The vote ended up at uh, 221 to 212. It was along party lines with all Republicans voting in favor of and all Democrats voting no So, um, yeah, like I said, what was it Saturday that I knew this was coming up. We talked about it on the program and here we go. So what goes around comes around, I guess. And Joe Biden will have his feet held to the fire on this as we head into an election year. What are we 11 months away from the next presidential election? Um, And here we are with impeachment and an impeachment inquiry about to happen, which I don't know if this stuff even hurts these guys anymore. It seems like uh, this just, just comes with the territory of being a, uh, a politician, especially if you're running for president. It's like you don't know what's true anymore, what's, uh, what's real, what isn't, what's fabricated, you know that there will be at least some women coming out of the uh, the work someplace that will have allegations of sexual assault or rape or whatever, but it happens so regularly now you don't know if it's true or if it's just political hatchet job. I just don't know. Um, anyway, our guests are just about here. It is just a few minutes before seven, so we'll give them a couple more minutes for the other people to arrive. And then we'll come back and we'll speak with Adam Skelly and his team about that court case that is uh, going to move forward. So stay with me.
3: Jingle Bells, Trudeau smells, Biden laid an egg, Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal, but tomorrow is a brand new day, hey everyone, have a Merry Maverick Christmas, and a magnificent new year.
0: Okay, stay with me here for a moment because I have have something else that I want to share with you guys. It's a homeless camp. I believe it's in Welland and Leo just sent this over. This is alarming to say the least. Don't really have many details on it, but let's start digging into it here now. Um, Set on fire. Let's bring this up so you guys can see it. See what I can find out about it here on the fly as we wait for our guests to arrive. This is terrible. Here is we go since 1998,
6: it's no wonder they were voted Fort Erie's finest carpet and flooring store. Join thousands of satisfied customers and clients. Stop by their showroom at 409 Walden Boulevard in Fort Erie, behind the Sobeys. Visit their website at Crescent Floor. Homeless Encampment, no flooring the, Find them on Facebook. the Call today. On Division Street. Right.
2: since 1998. 1990-
0: so let me just, I want to confirm this information because I don't like just running stuff without really knowing what the heck is going on. Okay. Let me find the information here for you. I don't know if this is current. I hate it when people send stuff and we don't really know. So maybe Leo will be able to provide more context and don't know. I just don't know. I'm finding old stuff here from some police reports, but nothing current from today. So we will see. I'll try and find out more about it. There was uh, I don't know. Anyway, Leo sent that over. I ran it for you, but don't take it as gospel. I don't like sharing information that isn't 100% Factual. So, all I know is that's a homeless encampment that got set on fire, was burned, but I don't know exactly when. It could be current, it could be old. Let's confirm all that before we jump to any conclusions, okay, folks? All right. One more quick break, then we'll come back and we will have our guests join us on the other side of this. <laughs>
1: Maverick News, fighting for freedom.
0: Okay, folks, let's bring in our guests for tonight. And there he is, Adam Skelly. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing good,
2: Rick. How are you?
0: I'm great, sir. And here is Jody Ledgerwood. Hello. Welcome. Hi,
3: Rick. Nice to see you again.
0: Great to see you. And here is Chris Weisdorf. Hello. Welcome back, Chris. Well, thanks for having us. My my privilege. Thank you guys for sharing this information and for the work that you are all doing to, well, really fight for freedom, right? That's what it's all about. And uh, challenging these steps that were taken by, I guess, the Ontario government and the Reopening Ontario Act. Um, where do you guys want to begin? Because this is a, a legal matter. It's a little bit complicated, but and it's been ongoing. So where are we at and who would like to start?
4: I think Adam should start because he 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 yeah. he's already committed a lot of time tonight,
0: and yeah, he has to go soon so he can start, and then we could continue. Okay, excellent. So, Adam, where where are you at with all of this right now?
8: Where are we at now? Well, uh, the crown uh, just recently won a motion for security for costs, so we have a constitutional challenge hearing scheduled for october of 2024 and you know they don't make it easy for you so they they uh, argued successfully to the court that this challenge is frivolous and vexatious and there's a high likelihood that we lose and if we lose i'm not in a financial position to pay for their costs for this what they suppose is inevitability so uh they were successful with this motion there's now a court-ordered security for costs that we must pay by mid-January in order to keep these hearing dates. And if uh, we don't come up with that money, those dates will be vacated and the challenge is essentially over.
0: Okay. So for those who maybe don't know, I think everybody probably does, but uh, Adam owned Adamson's Barbecue in Toronto during the height of the pandemic. He was one of the first people to defy the Reopening Ontario Act, kept his business open. Police went down there at the direction of municipal officials, I guess, uh, because of the Reopening Ontario Act, and uh, tried to shut him down. It subsequently arrested him and charged him under the act, and it's been an ongoing legal battle ever since. At one point, it went to court. It was uh, dismissed by the judge, I think, on grounds of jurisdiction, saying that it basically wasn't in the the right court, because it ultimately is, uh, from your perspective, a constitutional challenge, and a challenge on the merits of the the act itself, which you assert is, was inappropriate. It was not it was an overreach of government because, in your view, there was no pandemic to the level that constituted a an actual public emergency that required that level of government intervention. Is that uh, fair?
8: Yeah, you nailed it, Rick.
0: Okay. And so... It's been ongoing. The costs have continued to mount and you've got some real challenges on your hands now because you're trying to fight this in the courts, which is really where a lot of this has to play out, in my view, because we're dealing with a, uh, you know, an, an issue that requires counter lawfare against the lawfare that the government has waged against the people. And this is where it needs to play out is in the courts. But you need the help of the public. And where are you at financially?
8: Well, I've lost my business throughout okay. this. And, you know, that's completely my fault. I decided to, you know, challenge these orders and have my protest because, frankly, my business uh, at that point was so over leveraged with the two new locations that I opened in 2020 that I wasn't going to survive the winter. So that's, you know, that's that's my fault entirely. I also face a number of other charges, including four criminal charges where they are seeking jail time. Uh, $187,000 lawsuit from the city of Toronto to recoup the cost of their private security to when they seized my building and sent those hundreds of cops down there. So they want to recoup all those costs. I also face over $100,000 in charges from uh, Toronto Municipal Licensing and Standards uh, because my restaurant wasn't properly licensed. Those other three, uh, you know, legal issues, the criminal charges, the uh, the lawsuit from the city and the municipal licensing charges, I'm now self-representing on all of those. Uh, The only thing that I'm asking for help for is basically now on behalf of CCOC, who is the fundraising arm for this constitutional challenge, just to see this constitutional challenge through. While the results of that constitutional challenge will impact my other charges. uh, It does also impact the public at large because if we can show that the charter was violated, then anybody who is charged under the reopening Ontario act will have a path to remedy similar to what's happening in Alberta right now. If you saw the Ingram ruling where the, Emergency orders were deemed unconstitutional. Now, mind that's it's not, not a great ruling. It's not great for freedom, but it did open up an avenue for remedy for a lot of the people who were charged. So that's what I'm looking to do, and that's the only reason I'm coming to the public again, looking for help with the fundraising, not for any of my personal uh, charges, uh, because that I'll handle myself, but for the broad scope of this uh, constitutional question.
0: Okay, and so the the court case won't actually be held until October of next year. But you need to gather up enough funds by, you only have a number of weeks, right? Because you have to put this money up front well in advance. Can you explain what's by happening mid-January.
8: there? Oh, that was the ruling from the judge. That was the order that she delivered, that despite this challenge not being until October, that we had to pay by mid-January. Wow. They sure okay. haven't made it easy for us in the pursuit for justice on this matter.
0: Yeah. Well... I'll get into the fundraising stuff. I know you have to go, you know, fairly soon. So I'll get into the the fundraiser aspect of it with, with our other two guests. But can you just tell people for you personally what you're going through, how this is impacting you and your family?
8: Well, look, I had built a very successful restaurant brand with three locations in Toronto. I employed 60 people. Uh, in my the last year, I never saw a full proper year with the three locations, but we sold three and a half million bucks of barbecue in 2019 from one location. It was a really, really special place. Anybody who ever visited that restaurant in Toronto recognizes that. It's one of a kind. It was recognized across the North America as one of the best Central Texas style uh, barbecue restaurants. It was a really special place. And it was really my life's greatest work. Uh, it has been tragic to lose that. Although the challenges that have come along the way have been great for my personal development. I'm quite grateful for the entire situation. I ended up finding my little piece of freedom out here in Alberta. So I sold my house in Toronto. I bought a house that was like, you know, two-thirds of that price out here in Alberta with a bit of land. I got some animals. Got my three young children here, my beautiful wife. That's been it's been pretty nice overall, but I'm just not in a financial position to continue with a lawsuit i don't have 30 grand i i mostly shovel cow shit all day uh so this is one of those things i if if this thing's going to continue and if this is in the public interest and people feel like supporting it i do need help in that regard uh if the support doesn't come in that's okay we won't have the constitutional challenge uh that'll have you know some impact out there in the courts and case law and everything and i'll be left to defend the other charges on my own which i'm perfectly content to do um, so overall, I'm really grateful for the whole experience. It's been interesting. You learn who your friends are, and you're figuring out how this whole system really works and how to engage
0: with it in a better way. It's on my understanding that they did offer you a plea deal, as they have with many people uh, since uh, you know the pandemic, where a lot of people were charged. But you chose not to do that. Why do you Why do you continue to fight?
8: I'm guilty.
0: Yeah, that's really it in a nutshell, I guess. Right.
8: Yeah. We can't go in there and lie to them and tell them that I'm guilty of some offense. I'm not. Yeah.
0: Adam, is there anything else you'd like to add or think that I might've missed before we move on to the other guests?
8: No, go right ahead. Thanks for having us on today, Rick. I do appreciate you helping us, you know, by letting us come on your platform here. It's much appreciated.
0: Well, it's, it's again, my privilege. That's what this whole thing is about. It's to, uh, you know, try and help people out and, and make a difference because, Strange times require extreme measures, <laughs> I guess, like going to court and uh, not giving up. And, uh, Chris, can you explain uh, again and in, in, in a little uh, clarify for us why this particular constitutional challenge is so important and what's different about it?
4: Yeah, well, um, so I, I just, we just did another interview and I went into the intricacies. I'm not going to really do that with you. Um, and sorry for my voice being, is it is what it is with my voice. I've kind of lost my voice. So uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. Yep. Um, in terms of what this challenge is all about, it is a charter challenge, not completely a charter pet challenge, but it is a charter challenge. There's some other stuff in there about the Constitution Act 1867, the Constitution Act 1982, outside of the charter. And there's a, a challenge regarding the the actual emergency itself, not necessarily whether it was emergency or not, but whether the government had reasonable alternatives to the emergency measures or not. And we've established through evidence, through vast evidence from six experts, evidence that was submitted over two and a half years ago that they had the reasonable alternatives that we've defeated something called judicial notice, which is basically that, and this is, this is an unfortunate reality of getting into any court or tribunal in North America today. As soon as you go in, whether it's, as said, it doesn't, it could be a labor relations proceeding in front of an arbitrator or in front of the labor board, or it could be, it could be low court or it could be high court. It doesn't matter. As soon as you step in a court, you are going to have a dark cloud hanging over your head in the form of this judicial notice. What is judicial notice? It is what the courts have taken judicial notice, meaning that they've found, they've held, um, that the something, uh, with respect to COVID is, is all known. Everyone knows, everyone knows. So number, w- number one, and this was established originally in the U S Supreme court. So p- people are like, Oh, the charter is nonsense and it's all that. No, no, this started in the United States and, and it is spread all throughout North America and I would say the whole world, but I know for a fact it's the decisions specifically, um, have have been imposed on all of Canada, all in the United States. And and so uh, it's called judicial notice. Judicial notice is number one. This was established the end of May of 2020 um, in an injunction that was brought against Gavin Newsom in California. Five to four decision in the Supreme Court saying number one, COVID is a deadly pandemic. Number two, it spreads to completely healthy people with no symptoms whatsoever. And number three, you may not, second-guess public health experts. That's what the judicial notice was when it was taken back then by the court, by the Supreme Court. It was automatically binding in every court in the United States. It was imported into Canada the next year in the Trinity Bible Ch- Chapel case. So as soon as you get into any court or tribunal, you have to contend with that uh, COVID a deadly pandemic. And you have to contend that, you know, with, with their, you know, the so-called truth in the court that it spreads to completely healthy people with no symptoms whatsoever. And of course, you can't second guess public health experts. So as soon as you have to contend with those three things, everything is reasonable. So whether you bring up the charter or you bring up Jacobson v. Massachusetts, a 1905 case in the Supreme Court in the United States, um, everything is reasonable. Everything can be justified in the name of public health. In 1927 in the United States, the forced sterilization was, was rationalized and completely allowed with only one dissenter in, in the United States. So for people to think, oh, you know, Canada Canada's courts are so behind or they're corrupt or whatever. U.S. is way better. No, the U.S. has way worse precedents than we do. We don't have this stuff in Canada. The precedents are very new in Canada. They're, they've only been inked in the last couple of years. And so you have to go in with expert evidence to supplant judicial notice, to completely obliterate it. And in order to do that, you need public health expertise, you need economic expertise, you need statistical and biostatistical expertise, you need respiratory specialization expertise, you need epidemiological expertise, and you need virological and immunological immunological expertise. We have all that, intersex experts. We have that evidence for two and a half years ago, more than two and a half years ago. So when they say, well, you know, you don't really, you have one expert here. It's not enough. We have six. So there's not, and they can't say that the evidence is outdated. They can't say that hindsight is twenty We've destroyed them very early on with the evidence. With There's 11 expert reports. So the government's one. There's a devastating cross-examination that was performed on Dr. Byron Bridle, professor of viral immunology at Guelph, which went monolithically against the government. It's complete, it's just, it's a complete atomic bomb that the government dropped on itself when they decided to fool, foolishly cross-examine Dr. Bridal. And they were not at all prepared for what he said. So all of this is before the court. It, it will be in front of the court in this rehashed challenge, in this resurrected challenge, which pretty much was resurrected from the dead. Should have never been heard. The government did everything possible to not... for for us to not uh, be allowed to be heard. And they're doing it again with this motion for security for costs and they will continue to do this. So the fact is we have our court dates are set in stone. They're trying to supplant them with this motion for security costs. I have no doubt that we'll be heard. I have no doubt that we have the support to have this heard. I have no doubt that we have the evidence to win this case. And I can tell you that our case, you would think by now that someone else in Canada in the United States, somewhere in the, in the rest of the world would have called out the obvious lies. We all know what the lies are. We all know what the great lie is. We all know that COVID was vastly, um, you know, exaggerated. It was, it, we already know that we, there are people, there are people here. I'm, I'm, I'm one of them who said this in the, I'm talking in March of 2020, very publicly, who said that if we even even entertain going down the path of these lockdowns, which has never happened before in the history of Ontario, in history of Ontario, Canada, United States, that it will be years or decades until we get back to normal. And to this very day, no one has marched into court with experts and said, you lied and we can prove it. No one has done it. This is the only case. And not only that, if you won $30 million in the lottery today, And you said, I'm going to call these bastards out. I'm going to go right into court. I'm going to hire the best law firm or law firms going to hire the best experts. I'm going to take a sledgehammer to these people because they lied. You can't because you, number one, you don't have standing. Number two, it's moot. Number three, that any evidence that you bring is, is it's hindsight. It's 2020, right? That they didn't know that at the time they would, they swear up and down, that uh, that they did everything that it was it was in good faith and they were trying to protect people honestly and they they were really afraid of the deadliest virus in human history and all of that nonsense. If you do not go to court directly, you try to do it outside of court and you call them out. It won't work. You have to go into court. You have to call them out with experts. You have to do it properly. You have to have a legal basis for doing it. And you have to, as I said, you have to have standing, meaning you have to have, be affected in some way. Adam had his business destroyed. Um, Adam was arrested. Adam is being prosecuted now. Um, at, you know, Adam has demonstrable damages. At, you know, all of this stuff. He, his property was was seized. So it, it never happened in Canadian history. Never happened. Never in, in, the, in, the, in the history of Canada, in the history of the United States, in the history of North America, no business owner has ever been arrested for violating a public health order. Adam was not just arrested. They could have arrested him. They could have had five cops go, Mr. Skelly, we're taking you in. They could have done that. But no, nope. they had 253 poli- police officers. They had cavalry, full horseback to take him in, to terrorize. And to be clear, this is an exercise in tyranny and terror. They did this to terrorize other business owners into compliance. Don't you dare defy the government. Don't you dare embarrass the government. Everyone who has embarrassed the government from at starting with Adam. Adam was he was the he was the model, um, you know, uh, def, in terms of defiance of government, in terms of embarrassing the government. He was the first one, so they'd make a big example of. But they did this to everyone else. They did it to pastors Coates and Pavlovsky. They did it to the January 6th protesters in the United States. They did it to the convoy with bouncy castles in, in Ottawa, calling everyone a white supremacist and a, and a dangerous threat to, to parliamentary, um, you know, and anyone who's a, a member of parliament. They did this. It is a narrative. It is a lie. Everything is a lie. This is fifth-generational warfare. In order to prevail against the lie, you must call it out. And if you do not call it out, because you get sick of the corrupt officiating, as you would see in any sports game. As we know, the Houston Astros cheated their way to World Series in 2017. We already know what happened in 1993 with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Gretzky's high stick. There is corrupt officiating, all the time. There's a corrupt officiating in the courts. That is no excuse to say, I'm not going to take another shot on goal. It's corrupt and go to the bench. That has never happened in a hockey game and should not happen in the legal system. You shove the evidence and the law down their throats. You say, we're right. We're calling you out. You're wrong. And if you lose, you appeal. And if you lose in the court of appeal, you go to the Supreme Court. That's what you do. That's the only thing that you can do in this environment. You cannot give up and you cannot stop calling out the great lie until you prevail. That is why this case is so important. Don't believe any lies. Believe and know and you can read our evidence. You can read the challenge. You can read everything about the experts. You can see everything, all all the evidence, all the experts, everything by going to our site. The Concerned Constituents of Canada, cccan.org. So that's three C's, cccan.org. And there's a give, send, go as well. And Jody, um, who's one of our directors of the Concerned Constituents of Canada, she has put together an incredible fundraiser. It is, it is uh, you know, the big New Year's Eve bash in terms of anything. In the greater Toronto area, if you are in the GTA or around the GTA, you by all means, please sign up. Um, We need as much support as we can get. If you are more West, you can go to Windsor. In Windsor, there is another, um, uh, you know, New Year's Eve event that is going on there. So this is our website. You can go to the news items, our uh, Concerned Constituents of Canada Um, fundraiser and the uh, motion for security for costs, all this stuff, New Year's Eve bash and fundraiser and the, uh, the give send go is all there. Please consider supporting us all at the end of the day. All we're asking for is that a 15 million Canadians, uh, sorry, Ontario. I'm not even talking Canada. There's 40 million Canadians out of 15 million people in Ontario. We're simply asking that 5,000 people, provide twenty dollars that's all we're asking for that will be enough to get through to appeal in this challenge that's all we're asking for um, it says these guys only want money so again we can either give up because we don't have the money because Adam was not just run out of the uh, not run out of town but run out of province or you can we you can say we have to see this through and and the fact is you ask any lawyer, this is where we are today. You ask any lawyer; it's different in 2021. In 2021, you could have potentially seen this through, and that's why Adam is suing um, his latest counsel um, from 2021 for professional negligence because he, you know, he didn't do anything that Adam asked him to do. So the point is that we are suing for over, you know, two hundred thousand dollars in that case. Okay, so uh, there's nothing you can do when lawyer when a lawyer does not follow your instructions. There's nothing you can do about that, and it screws up your case. There's nothing you can do about that except let it play out and then sue. That's unfortunately how things work. So when people, wow, they only want money. Um, Adam doesn't get any of the money. This goes through our nonprofit, the Concerned Constituents of Canada, is a not-for-profit corporation under the federal Not-for-Profit Corporations Act. Okay, we are heavily regulated. So when they go, well, they only want money. Um, We're a volunteer only, okay? So we're all feeling the pinch. Every one of us is under some sort of financial distress. Every single one of us. So they go, well, they only want money. No, but we we have nothing to gain from this. We're doing this because, like in a war, and make no mistake about it, this is a war. It is the first non-shooting war in human history, but it's a war. It's like someone going... We can't go into war with this gun. I might get shot. It's a war. We know what the risks are in a war. You could be shot. You could lose everything. You could lose in in a real war. You don't have a home. You have rubble. You don't have a business. You have rubble. You don't have food. You have rats to eat. That's a real war. We have it easy. I'm asking that we, he says, you broke the law. You pay your own legal fees. I don't know who these people are at the time to be absolutely clear at the time no one had been arrested in the history of north america for violating a public health order if adam had a team of 10 lawyers and asked them what will happen if i if i disobey the law if i defy the law if i break the law what what will happen and the lawyers would say well we can't we can't advise you that you break the law we can't do that according to um, the law, society, or oath, and all of that—we're we supposed to uphold the administration of justice. But if you decide to break the law, um, yeah, they're going to give you a really hard time. You're going to have a million tickets. They're going to shut down your business. But you know, you, you won't face any criminal liability. You could be sued as well because you know, depending on the measures they take, they could. I've looked at the law. They they can they can recoup costs. They could sue you, and that's what any lawyers would have said at the time. We're like, oh, he pays his own legal costs. They brought six separate legal proceedings on Adam Skelly's head. They've never done that ever in Canadian history. So they go, oh, too bad. You know, you pay your own legal costs. Um, Adam hey, stood up. Let me jump. There's no in one else yet. would.
8: I, I, I am handling all my own legal issues. The stuff that affects me personally. I have four criminal charges that I face. I have a lawsuit from the city of Toronto for $187,000 and then over $100,000 in municipal licensing fees. Uh, CCOC, this uh, registered nonprofit and fundraising arm, uh, they're not helping me with any of that. I'm doing all that myself. I'm self-representing on all those charges. I'm not sure if I explained this clear before, but this is for the constitutional question, which has broader implications for the general public, which is the reason why I am relenting from my previous position of not asking for help with anything to support this broader constitutional question that does have public interest and impact on the public. That's what I'm asking for donations for all the stuff that affects me personally. I'm handling that myself. So just to make that clear for Ron and anybody else who thinks that way, we, you know, anybody who does fundraising gets accused of grifting and this kind of thing. That's not what's happening here. Uh, Not in the slightest. This is just for anybody who would like to support a constitutional challenge because they would like to see the impact that they may have in the case law with that ruling. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Yeah. no, that's, that's, Exactly the case. I mean, the fact is, when Adam stood up and he said this earlier uh, on, a, in you know the interview that we did before, um, he said he expected, and I expected. I was there. I was at every protest at Dundas Square, downtown Toronto, from September twenty sixth until December twenty first of twenty twenty, and and I was there with Vlad Sobolev, who's the founder of Hugs Over Masks, and um, and we are all essential. And he, we were we were right there when he said, you know, I, this is a Saturday. On Monday. They're going to have another lockdown and, and next week we're going to have all these businesses stand up and say no more because they're doing, going into a whole round of lockdowns again. It's going to get a lot worse and, and there's going to be all these businesses. And I said, well, how many businesses It's, just, it's going to be a hundred, at least a hundred businesses on Toronto. And I thought that was reasonable because there's like 5,000 restaurants in Toronto, just restaurants. So in terms of all the small businesses, a hundred was not hard to believe. And I figured well, there better be 100 businesses because if there's just a few, they're, they're going to crush them. And guess how many businesses opened? I was, I, you know, early next week, I, I, earlier that week, it was November 23rd or 24th of, of 2020. Three. Adam was one of them. The other two were shut down immediately. Adam just kept coming back, kept reopening. And this was not something new to the City of Toronto. City of Toronto shut down all these cannabis-related businesses in 2016 and 2017, including... There was one in particular was shut down at least a dozen times. So they were they were not new to businesses defying the law, let saying refusing to shut down and doing stuff on the sidewalk in terms of selling cannabis on the sidewalk. And Ad, in, in Adams case, to do a barbecue outside if we shut down inside that there's nothing new about that. So they could have done that. They chose to instead. um you know, release the hounds and 253 police officers with cavalry and to spend, you know, literally over $187,000 doing that and then to sue them afterwards for that to recoup their costs. So when when people say, oh, Adam should have done something else. Well, what could he reasonably done in November of 2020? Could Adam have gone to court? No, he could have not have gone to court. He wouldn't have gotten a court date. The government can get a court date any day of the week. You cannot get a court date. Back then the courts were closed. You could not get a court date. You could not in any way seek a remedy, a civil remedy in court. So if they said sit down and shut up, you either had to, and maybe you would get down into court a few months down the road by the time you were bankrupted. Maybe you might get into court, but you had to wait months, realistically at that time. The only reason why Adam even had a chance is because they brought an injunction against him. He was on the receiving end. So they said, well, yeah, that was, that was in the beginning of in December of 2020. So they said "Well, it's a comeback motion uh, to this injunction that was ordered uh, in February 1st. So that's the only reason why he had any chance to get back into court because the government brought him in and he was respondent to that application. That's the only reason. If he did it some other way, he would have had to wait months and months, probably to the summer of 2021 to be heard. And by then, the attorney general would have said, it's moot. As we know, if you try to challenge anything now, United States or Canada, you bring any type of challenge, no matter how much money you have, no matter the experts that you have, they'll say it's moot. They'll say you're trying to challenge something that no longer exists. The public health orders are long gone. The lockdowns are long gone. Regulation A220, which is the lockdown order, is long gone. Reopening Ontario Act is spent. It's f- fully enforced, but the orders that, that were continuing under the act are gone. The public health orders, uh, Section 22 and everything else under the Health Protection and Promotion Act, are long gone. The Quarantine Act orders are gone. The other or- orders on the Aeronautics Act are gone. It is moot. You can't be heard. If you're a unionized member, you can't be heard in court. Am I getting through to people? When they go, oh, it's you're just grifting. Oh, you know, um, this is the last chance. If Adams' case is not heard, there is no other challenge. You can't go back and challenge something in the past which no longer exists. You win $30 million in the lottery, you can't go back because you don't have standing. It's moot, and all the evidence that you would submit They'll go, oh, hindsight is 2020. You're just you're just trying to go back and 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 judge what happened back then. And you can't judge it in the lens of 2023 or 2024. You have to look at what was going on in 2020, 2021. You can't do that. They were acting in good faith. They said they were they were dealing with the deadliest virus in in human history. So if you don't call them out on every lie told with evidence from back then, proper standing, and it's not moot because it's a live controversy. They're going after Adam now. His challenge right now is dispositive, meaning it disposes of the criminal challenge, the civil challenge. So this is completely in terms of having standing, in terms of having um, the the ability to challenge us, in terms of saying that it's a live controversy, we have it. In terms of saying the, the evidence is relevant, the evidence is over two and a half years old. They can't say they didn't know they knew or reasonably ought to have known, especially with the evidence right in front of their faces. So they can't say they acted in good faith. We know they didn't. They can't say, if you, if we win this challenge, all the vaccine stuff is automatically obliterated. If you don't call out the original lie, if you, the great lies I call it, if you don't strike at the root of the poison tree, you will keep on getting poison fruit for the rest of your lives. And that will sicken you and your families and all of society, the legal system, the administration of justice, everything. So this is why this is so important. When people say it has nothing to do with liking or not, are you kidding me right now? He has faced the the consequences. He's lost his business. I can't believe this guy. And, And of course, on every call that we do, there's someone who says, oh, you know, the courts are corrupt. If The child breaks the rules. There are consequences. Oh, you know what? You didn't get the vaccine. Therefore, you know, your choices have, you have a choice. You don't have, you don't have bodily autonomy or conformed consent. That's a passe notion, even though the Supreme Court has affirmed it. Court of Appeals affirmed it. It's in the law of Ontario. It's all gone, though. They just decided, oh, well, we just decided to, uh, you know, say it's not the law anymore. Apropos of nothing. Literally. That's what's happened. And we're saying no. We're ramming the evidence of the law down their throats and saying no, you may not. You may not and you shall not pass. We will not let you pass. And, and, And the fact is, we're the only ones doing it. Everyone else is done. Everyone else is hopefully, you know, the Rickard-Peckford challenge is on the way to Supreme Court. Hopefully they could raise enough money for that. Saying it's not moot because there's public interest. The courts, both the court of appeal, the federal court of appeal, federal court, federal court of appeal, said, oh, there's no public interest in that challenge. Are you kidding me? It was one of the most populated courtrooms in the history of humanity. Same thing in Adams' cases. They could, we couldn't even get lawyers on the, on, in the courtroom electronically because there were too many people vying for spaces. And they say there's no public interest in this. And that's why costs were ordered against Adam well in advance of the case. Are you kidding me? So, you know, nurses losing their jobs, um, union members getting getting obliterated, not being heard in court, unlike in New York, where union members were allowed to be heard in court and they won. They won against the New York State mandate. They won against the New York City mandate. Not allowed to be heard in Canada in the court. Not allowed to be heard if you're a business owner. Not allowed to be heard if you violated the Reopening Ontario Act or you violated the law in Saskatchewan, totally different province. Those are, that's the only place where people were arrested. They were convicted and then or they were, they were charged. They were convicted and it was upheld by our, our court. No one has called this stuff out. And until you do that, the great lie will stand in court as the truth. This is the truth as the court knows it. And unless you go in there with expert evidence and you displace it, this is the fifth generational war war, warfare way. You must go in with a pen or electronic equivalent with experts and say, you lied and we can prove it and we can prove it. And we proved proven it over two and a half years ago. We just need to get it heard. So when they say, Oh, You know, you, you know, all this stuff about you, 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 you violate the law. Therefore you should pay the price. Countless Canadians have paid the price come when the, um, the, uh, I don't I don't know what they're called now, but there's, there's a, there's a loan system that was set up by, by Trudeau's federal government to give loans to all the small businesses and they have no possible way of paying them back. So they keep kicking in the can down the road. And at some point they're going to all go bankrupt and, and. You know, we're talking about tens of thousands of businesses, probably up over a hundred thousand businesses, when this all said and done. What's that? What's that going to do the economy? What has it already done to the economy? And they're like, "Well, face the consequences." Adam has stood up for all the other business owners who could not stand up or would not stand up because they were too afraid to. Um, and and that's what he's done. No one else. He did it where no one else would do it. And out of 40 million people in Canada, I think we owe him the duty and the gratitude for him doing something that even like I'm not a business owner. I potentially would have done that. I wanted to challenge all this stuff for March of 2020. Finally, Adam, Adam did. He was the first person. It took eight months, over eight months for someone to stand up in this country. It didn't take very long in the United States, but in in this country, it took over eight months. It took um, nine months until something actually made it into court. It was, I believe it was uh, December 9th and 10th. So anyway, uh, the reason why the case is so important is simply because we're calling it out and no one else will and no one else can. Even if they want to do it now, you can't because you have no standing, it's moot and the evidence that you submit now, is it's hindsight is 2020. they acted in good faith, you're automatically dead. So Adam's case is the only case that can be heard. He is literally last man standing who has the standing to be heard in court. So please support us; you will make you proud.
0: Are you in the right court this time?
4: In the right court.
0: Yeah, like I think the last time it was dismissed because of a jurisdictional thing, like a yeah, constitutional it was, challenge. It, in it the wasn't wrong a case. matter. Of,
4: it wasn't a matter of being the wrong court. The superior court in Canada, it's a lot, it's very easy. Superior Court has the widest latitude and jurisdiction to hear any type of challenge. But the problem is, if the challenge is not brought forward properly by counsel, and we, I, you know, this is stuff that I brought up early on, I was con- very concerned about it. And I brought it up. And I said, we haven't, we don't have an application, we have this notice of constitutional question. And then the lawyer kept saying, pounding the table saying, no, 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 we're, we're applicants, we're applicants. I'm like, how, how, how is Adam an applicant in his business an applicant when there's no application? Well, there's a motion. I'm like, I know there's a motion. There's a notice of constitutional question on top of the motion. And and so this very simple question would end up being heard at June 28th of 2021. And the judge said, this is basic civil procedure. The counsel knows basic civil procedure. He's been a lawyer for over 40 years he knows basic civil procedure. He didn't bring an application. Uh, this is a motion. You, you can't, we can't entertain the stuff on a motion. You should have brought an application and, and it's called an originating process. You can proceed in court with an originating process where you start something. You're not in the middle of a proceeding, like in the middle of the, this whole thing with this injunction. No, you bring the application or an action. You can proceed. Those are the two ways. That's right. It's rule four the rules of civil procedure in, in Ontario's. And to be clear, and I didn't say this earlier, and this is a big mistake. I'm not a lawyer. Everyone automatically assumes I'm Adam's lawyer, whatever. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a paralegal. I'm not a legal professional. I'm not a licensee of any law society. I'm here to translate for Adam. I'm here to help him out, talk, you know, in terms of talking to the lawyers and, and, and making suggestions to lawyers, the lawyers have to try to try the case. And Adam has to, Now he's, he's self-representing in some of these matters and they brought so many of these matters on, on top of his head. So um, to be clear, I I know what this stuff is because I sued the city of Toronto all the way to the court of appeal from 2018 to 2020. So I can help in some respects, but I'm not a legal professional. And so what I've said here is, you know, with this rule four and the rules of civil procedure, it says that, you know, you can proceed by way of action or application and, and, and council didn't do that. And it's, Professionally negligent, and the judge said that. And irrespective of that judge, you know, being a terrible judge, it doesn't matter. They didn't do it right. He, he, you know, it wasn't brought forward. So the judge is like, "What do you want me to do? It's a motion. uh You want you're bringing this constitutional question? A motion? I can't hear that um because you know you got to b- bring an application or an action. You didn't do it properly. It's paperwork. You got to file an application. Just do that. And, you know, and didn't do it. So that's why. And yes, this cost this cost us what two and a half years, because that because an application was not being brought. And now the government came after Adam with this with this um, motion for security for costs, which is being appealed. But nevertheless, well, it's not, it can't even be appealed. We have got to seek leave or permission for it to be appealed and get that, then appeal it. So anyway, so all this stuff. This is what's going on. Um, if you ask any lawyer today. You say I want to, I want to challenge the government, and let's say you can, you know, you have standing, and you, and it's not moot, and you have evidence. Somehow, you can somehow get past, you know, past these these huge impediments. Um, the, the lawyers are going to go, uh yeah. Well, it's going to cost you at least a million to do anything, and that's that's a fact. Right now, if you want to do anything in court, million dollars minimum. It's not like in the early days of COVID where it cost like $100,000. No, it's a million minimum. And Umar Sheikh has said this, who's a labor lawyer in BC. He said that. He said, you have to not only raise a million dollars, but you have to lose to win. So you have to go in knowing full well you're going to lose in superior court or this BC Supreme Court or federal court or whatever court you're in. And then you got to court a court of appeal. And then, and then potentially to the Supreme Court after that. Because of all the precedents that have already been set, it took, um, and this is the last thing I'm going to say here, it, it, with respect to winning against a huge lie that has been told over and over again with respect to science or medicine, this has happened many times. It happened with Monsanto. It happened with DuPont. It happened with all sorts of you know chemicals. It happened with PFOA, with DuPont, Resulin. Uh, which is a medication. It happened with Viox, It happened with um, Fenfen in the 70s. It's it has 25 years in the market. Um, it happened with uh, with Kipone. It happened with the Thalidomide. It, it's happened many, 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 many times. And a lot of times these companies, they're so huge, they make a billion dollars a year in profit. And just on that one product product line that you're suing for, like DuPont and PFOA. And it took 17 years to beat DuPont in court. Started by one lawyer who they considered him absolutely crazy for going. And there's a movie that you can see called Dark Waters. And it was blacklisted for quite a while. Came out in 2019. It's my favorite legal movie ever. See it. See what, what Adam's up against. See it. it this company which made a billion dollars a year in profit they they lost after 17 years but it took 17 years and it took decades to beat Monsanto literally decades so if you're saying oh you know adam it's 2020 and now it's 2023 and 2024 and it cost what is it now it's over 400,000 dollars oh my god he's grifting how much did these other cases cost we're talking tens of millions of dollars or even over over 100 million dollars and we're talking decades so if we win on this in, you know, five years, when by the time this is all disposed of, like 2025, 2026, we will have broken every record that there is in terms of having something defeated in court, you know, by the good guys with the evidence. So that's why you should support us, because we're the only ones who've done this correctly from the beginning. And unfortunately, and you can never control what your legal representative has done. If they don't follow your instructions, the stuff falls apart. You just have to go back to the well again. You have to go and raise money again and try it again or try it for the first time since you couldn't even, you couldn't even tried the first time. That's what you have to do. There's nothing that Adam could do or anyone could have done. Um, if we were stuck. We couldn't even find another lawyer to take, to take the place of counsel at the time. That's how bad it was. That's how scared lawyers were. And that's how scared ev- uh, um, all the experts were. We could we is I couldn't believe we even got six experts. I thought we would be lucky to get two experts. Hey Chris, went after th- them. Yeah.
8: Thank you for the summary. Thank you so much for having us on the show. I, I do got a roll. I got another one in two minutes. Um. Thanks again. My gratitude for you for letting us have take this time here to be on your show. Really awesome, Chris. Awesome summary. Thanks, Jody. Uh, you guys have a wonderful evening. Thanks everyone for listening to that. Much appreciated. Thank,
2: thank you so much. Well.
0: Thank you very much.
4: Thank you for thank you for standing up. Thank you for your yeah, defiance.
0: Goodbye. Appreciate it. Adam Skelly. Uh jody <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the fundraiser.
3: So we've got three fundraisers happening right at this moment in time. As both Adam and Chris alluded to, we have till I believe it's January 10th or, or the second. The 20th, or
4: the 20th technically. January 20th.
3: 20th, technically. Yeah. So we have until January 20th to raise. to cover that motion for security of costs. If we do not raise the $32,000, we lose our court date in October. So it's really, really important that this gets funded right now. So what we've done is we've held little fundraisers throughout the year to cover all of the other fines and expenses to get the court date. Within within a few short days of actually being finally granted the court date of October 1st, 2nd and 7th of 2024, the province filed a motion for security of costs. After 10 weeks of hearing the arguments, the judge came back and granted them a motion for security of costs. And that just means if we go to court in October and we lose, then this guarantees that the province will be paid their costs. Okay. So we don't go to court for a year, but the judge gave us in November 60 days to raise those costs on the premise that we've already lost before even stepping in the courtroom. So Sharon and I are looking after a New Year's Eve dinner, dance, games, cash bar fundraiser. We figure New Year's Eve, People are very generous with their money. They want to go out. They want to have a good time. They want to say goodbye to 2023 and welcome 2024. So they're a little less frugal with their money, and they're more open to paying to come to an event that maybe will protect their rights in the future. So that's what we're offering. So Sharon is running a dinner dance games night in Windsor. I'm running the Dinner Dance Games Night in Toronto. We have the esteemed Dr. Mark Trozzi, who was one of the very first doctors here in Ontario that were penalized. He saw what was happening right at the beginning. He shut down his practice so he could actually research the truth, get to the bottom of what was happening, and then actually help people get through it. Uh, The CPSO eventually ended up suspending his license. He's been on trial through the tribunals, fighting for everybody much like Adam he understands items or Adam's plight and the fight it's an uphill battle and so he is coming to the dinner he's going to talk about what's going on in the CPSO world and why doctors didn't stand up why the healthcare system didn't stand up um, much like the businesses did not stand up a few strong people stood up and said no, and they've been penalized. And for that, these people are now fighting their way through the court system, through the tribunal, standing up for everybody else in the future. So this doesn't happen again to our children. So he will be in the Toronto event speaking. Um, it's it's going to be an incredible, incredible fundraiser. I know in Toronto, we've got DJ Desi Ranks and his daughter, Vonnie, who, again, These fundraisers are built around people who stood up, people who said no from the beginning. Desi Ranks and his daughter, Vani, have said no. They've been saying no. They've been making music, saying no, encouraging people to stand in their courage and in their strength to say no. So they are going to be spinning the records (laughs) at the Toronto event. We have Amore Dezeo who it's an Italian restaurateur who also stood up alongside Adam. He was one of the three restaurants that stayed open. He also took the hit from the government. He took the charges, the fines, the Section 22 summons. He eventually lost his business. He just this year has re- managed to uh, reopen an Italian restaurant. He will be serving our Italian buffet-style dinner. Um, Incredible. And then the venue that we have uh, secured is also a venue that has allowed freedom fighter movements, organizations, conferences to have in their building throughout the lockdowns. They've supported us. So they, again, are supporting this fundraiser. So not only will you be supporting Adam. Uh, new year's eve if you come to the toronto event but you'll be supporting these other businesses and great doctors that stood up and said no and they have their own fight to bear um we also have if you can't come to the toronto or windsor event we also have a give send go which is give send backslash barbecue underscore rebellion As Chris said earlier, 5,000 people donate $20, that's $100,000 raised, and we probably won't have to fundraise again right up until our court date. We hate coming to the well asking for money because everybody's asking for money, but this is such an important uh, case. It needs to be heard because as Chris said, if you don't call out the lie, the lie continues, and nobody's going to win in the court of law. If we win this case, It means everybody who got an arrive can ticket, everybody who got a mask ticket, everybody who got a Section 22 summons will have legal recourse to demand refunds and have their charges dropped and have those guilty verdicts against them be reversed. So this isn't just pertinent to Adam Skelly and Adams in Barbecue. It is pertinent to everybody across Canada, We need to set the precedence and we need to make the government accountable. If they claim there's an emergency, they need to prove there's an emergency when they take away people's rights to livelihood and to go to school and to work and to travel and see their families and have weddings. They need to prove it and they never did, and nobody has asked them to. So we are demanding that they prove the evidence of an emergency that squashed so many people over the last three years. So we're not grifting. It is 100% volunteer run. Nobody's getting paid to run these fundraisers. Exactly. Zero. Um, We've been working with Adams in barbecue now for what, two and a half years. We've been supporting him. I know he's exhausted. He doesn't want to spend any more time in court than he has to, but he understands the value of this. And we have been championing him all along. And we at CCOC, we have taken on the trouble and the exhaustion of running fundraisers to keep this in the courts, because if we don't do this now, our children suffer in the long run. This isn't over. We're only about halfway through. What's coming next is going to be far more horrific than what we've already experienced. So if we don't start calling out the lies from the very beginning, we're in big trouble.
0: Sharon. Welcome. Um, Oh, sorry.
9: Sorry for being late, Rick. I just got off with Derek Sloan and we were having computer issues. So, um, but yeah, I don't know what I'm about to say. If I'm just reiterating with these, I don't want to waste anyone's time. So guys just jump in and let me know you've already mentioned this, but um, yeah, no, like what we have before you guys is the one case that they're just, they're, they're afraid of hearing and they're trying to disappear. If they could disappear, they would, they can't. So all they've done is kick the can down the road. They've just tried to delay this whole thing since before we even got onto this uh, on, you know, before the concerned constituents, you know, uh, became the official sponsors. They've just been trying to drain him, ran him out of the province. I mean, uh, this is uh, like, how, how do I, you know, we have a challenge that, like Jody said, can overturn every conviction. That's how huge this is. And people are crying for the last, I don't know how many years, and now we're seeing now we're seeing the effects of the vaccines, the masks and the lockdowns, especially the lockdowns. Our kids couldn't even go to the park. A lot of mental health issues, people took their lives. We are seeing all of this come to fruition now and people are crying justice, they want justice. Well, if you want justice, this is the case to jump behind. Adams got standing in court, we have the evidence. You're not gonna find justice anywhere else. The people who couldn't go to their parents' funerals, the people who couldn't see their moms or dads in the long-term care homes, all of this was because of the unconstitutional, you know and illegal mandates that they put into place over an emergency that they can't even prove was an emergency. Yet we've got six experts with PhDs that are willing to throw their PhDs behind Adam because he's the only one in all of North America that is able that, 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 that wants to stand up and say something. And, and just just quickly about that, he suffered a lot. Sometimes we forget about Adam and all of this because we want what we want. But he suffered a lot. They drove him Mm -hmm. out of here. They bankrupted him. They're going after his family. He's got criminal court cases like court court charges, I should say, that are probably about this thick, you know, and we're hearing about all these other people that are winning their cases in court. You know, Um, I think Rick, I was telling you earlier about Jesse Johnson out in Alberta. He's a restaurant owner as well, small business owner who uh, refused to ask anybody what their medical status was, and he opened the doors to the unvaccinated and was charged, he won. They dropped his case, which is great. And we know that Adam can't even get his case, you know, his charges dropped. Mm -hmm. We know that his case can get thrown out. We know all of that. But then where does that leave us, the rest of us? Mm -hmm. So it's great that these cases are getting dropped because it can't prove anything and all this and money's for damages and all that. That's wonderful. But at the end of the day, Where's the justice for Canadians and there will never be a case like this. We can't reiterate it enough. There'll never be a team like this of expert evidence, uh, expert witnesses. There'll never be the evidence like this again. And that's why they want this to go away. So we proposed, okay. That if 5,000 people in all of Ontario, and we know the numbers are there, could throw $20 at this case, okay, through the gifts and go, or they can freely, you know, um, E-Transfer, the Concerned Constituents of Canada, we're a nonprofit. we've got a, an account for that. Um, 5,000 5, people at $20 a pop, and I know they've mentioned this, would give us enough money, I think, even to see us the Supreme Court, don't quote me on that, freedom isn't free, You know, setting precedent isn't free, and that's what we need to do, we need to set a precedent, we need to prove, we've already proven it, they just trying not to hear it, to hear the evidence, but we've proven there was no emergency. So it cost less uh, uh, than, 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 a, than a box of pizza, okay? And we know the numbers are there because we saw 5,000 people just in the Windsor-Essex area, you know, marching the streets for the children. We know there were 2 million people, at least in Ottawa, with the convoy, okay? And a lot of us stayed home, and we backed them from home. So we know there's even more than 2 million in Ontario that yeah, want yeah. justice, that want this nightmare oh to God. end. So if you guys want it to end, I'm pleading with you now. $20, that's it. 5,000 of you. Out of 15 million people that's it okay because they are banking on us they're, to actually, fail. they're actually trying to bankrupt us which is what they did with adam something deep down in my soul believes that they compromised his original legal team and we have an amazing convicted legal team right now okay and we just need your help that's it we need your help and it's nothing really it's nothing
3: Okay. The, the other thing people have to realize, you know, you walk out on the streets and you see the signs, Trudeau must go, Trudeau for treason, we need justice. Well, if nobody ever calls out the lie, that's it. You gotta pull it No justice. And you know, people are wondering why the public health people have not been brought up on charges. Why Trudeau has not been brought up on charges. Why our government has not been brought up on charges. Well, they haven't been brought up on charges because right now there's nothing to charge them with.
9: That's
3: right. So we need to prove the lie in court. We need to prove that they lied to every single Canadian citizen in order to bring charges of assault, in order to bring charges of treason or genocide. Because without that proof being called out in a court of law, they get away with the assault that they did, the oppression that they did on the Canadian people. So I get it. There's your, that one gentleman in your chat that keeps saying, you broke the rules, you broke the rules. Well, if the rules are unjust, you exactly. as a Canadian citizen, it is your duty to stand up and say no, to call out the injustice. And that's what we're doing. It's our duty as Canadians. It's our time to get involved. And like I said, we've got these three fundraisers. We've got two really fun fundraisers that you can participate in, meet other people, talk to other people, dance the night away, play some games, have some drinks. Just... We have a reason, Jody, to celebrate. We got our court date. You know exactly. how much, you know
9: you, uh, and we can't thank we can't thank Windsor, Essex, and the GTA enough for helping yeah. us fundraise, for jumping behind this and seeing. That this is the one case that's going to protect our sovereignty, that's going to prove the lies, okay, and that's going to, you know, uh, hold the government accountable, really. So, you know, we exactly. can't thank you guys enough, but we need we need to reach even further out, and we need to ask all of Ontarians. You guys, listen, we all been affected by this. You want justice? This is it. If this goes away, which is what they want, I can't reiterate that enough. If this goes away, there will be no other. There will be no but other. I want to
4: read, read a quote from Martin Luther King. Um, th- because we this has been going on and on. And if you read the Bible, there's stuff about, uh, oh, you know, uh, render under Caesar and, you know, um, it, it, God's law versus man's law and that sort of stuff. But um, this is from, from Martin Luther King. Um, and uh, And the quote is this. One has not only a legal, but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. and and he I, I'm sure there's there's more to that quote. I know that's just part of it. The rest of it involves um, it disobeying an unjust law is actually the highest respect for the law. So that's in there. I can't find it right now. I know that's part of it. So the point is that if there is an unjust law, I mean we know that you know it, what is he referring there to to there? He's referring to slavery. Slavery was legal. It was the law of the land, the United States. There were a lot of things that were horrific today that we all know are horrific today that were the law of the land at one point. OK, so, there, you know, look, look at Nazi Germany and look at, you know, the Chinese Communist Party today. There's a lot of things that are totally repugnant in our society. And of course, they're trying to change our society into some, you know, tyrannical um fascist you know uh you know centrally planned society where where everyone is tracked to the, to the you know how many breaths they take per day literally yeah. so um this is the, the the first stand was adam and it, and unfortunately it it came almost too late it, it better late than never but it came almost too late and and at the time people just thought the likelihood that i mean even in I think it was, I don't know it was. we're talking May of 2020, April, May of 2020. They, the, the, they, it was all over the news. It was all over social media. They said, all these people fear-mongering about children having to wear masks is absolutely insane. And it happened a few months later. They, they said, all this fear-mongering regarding, you know, vaccination is insane. There is no vaccine right now. And when there is, whenever that is no one will be required to take it that's insane it's fear-mongering and and i said in april of 2020 i said after i learned about id the id 2020 consortium which microsoft was a member i said that you know it's a matter of time and i and I, i somehow put this together in my head that covid because everything in, in the past had always been named after where the virus was discovered, where the sickness was discovered. So like the Ebola virus is named after the Ebola river where it was hemorrhagic fever was discovered. Lyme disease is from Lyme, Connecticut, and so on and so forth, right? So with with, with the coronavirus, they called it the Wuhan coronavirus, but I said that was racist. So then they came up with this COVID. I said what what does that mean? Coronavirus disease 19, that's what they're saying it means. And I said this in April, 2020 publicly, I said, I think COVID really stands for certificate of vaccination ID. And right away, this guy is crazy. He's crazy. He's paranoid. You know, get that guy some professional help. That's what they said. People were shouting me down everywhere. And that was that was April of 2020. So uh, September 16th of 2021, the government of Ontario announced as of September 22nd of 2021, to dine at a restaurant, you're going to need a certificate of vaccination plus your Everyone thought it was crazy. Everyone thought it was crazy. It happened. Everyone thought that... Climate lockdowns are crazy. We don't know whether it will happen or not. What about digital ID, central bank digital currencies, all the sort of stuff that is being talked about. Is that so crazy given what we've undergone? Is it so crazy that they'll come back in five to 10 years and crush us then? Because now we've had enough of it, but they'll break us down over time because the courts have allowed this stuff. The courts have allowed medical procedures to be conducted without any notion of bodily autonomy or informed consent, even though it is in the law, they've gotten rid of it. So the current precedents have supplanted the old precedents, which is not supposed to happen in our legal system. It's happened. And unless you call it out and you keep ramming the evidence and the law down their throats, it will prevail. And they will use it against us in the future. It's only a matter of time, just like in 1905 in the United States, which doesn't have a section one in their constitution. In their Bill of Rights, they still use this Jacobson v. Massachusetts decision to shut everyone up in the United States and to use judicial notice to make sure that no one can challenge anything. But people didn't stay, they they didn't they didn't go quietly in the night in the United States. And eventually stuff went away, but they didn't call out the great lie in Canada. It's far worse because all these precedents prevail. So if we don't take it on now. And this case gets dismissed or stayed because we don't raise enough money. Then, what will happen is all the expert evidence that we have is gone, it can't be used again in any case ever. And all of the um, not just the expert evidence, but like the, the cross examination from Dr. Breyer, all of that stuff can no longer be used again, it's over. The only way we can use it, use any of this again is we have to wait until another COVID related lockdown or something close enough to COVID happens again and then have a bunch of experts come forth again and submit evidence similar to that again and do it in a timely manner. And that's assuming they don't close the courts again for God knows how long.
9: So. And unfortunately, don't forget, and unfortunately, you know, we got to wait for people to, I hate saying it, die. You know? Enough has happened. Enough is enough. We need to pull the plug on this, shh, you know, crap show. I don't want to swear on your show, Rick. You know, but um, like you know, I I everything he's saying is is on point. While we wait for Adam's case to be heard, okay, there's already mm-hmm. talk of the swine flu coming back. There's talk of some sort of mystery illness in China. There's talk of even you know that mystery illness here in Ohio. So it's inching closer to us. So what does this mean? It means that masks. We already know they've already. You know, reinstated masks in a lot of places, but that means lockdowns are imminent. That means new vaccines, okay, are imminent. So when is this gonna end, guys? You know, we need to challenge this in a court of law legally, and we need to bring the evidence. And this is the only challenge that I maybe correct me, Chris. No, it's uh,
3: it, with, it, with it's the charter, ahead.
9: with the charter that brings mm-hmm. the evidence. Okay. So it's we are challenged constitutional question. Hmm?
4: It's not just the charter because we're challenging the premise of there being an emergency. The government can, can say it's an emergency until they're blue in the face, but ultimately they have to with, with the invo- invocation of emergency, there can't be alternative measures or reasonable alternatives that can be used in lieu of an emergency order. If, if there's an alternative, to an emergency order, then there can't be an emergency order. The only one who I've seen politically who stated this is RFK Jr. It was the it was on the Sean Hannity town hall back in September on Fox News, and he said it. And I was, I, and RFK Jr. has been on this you know, Children's Health Defense from March of 2020. So he's one of three voices. His his organization, which actually spoke out, everyone else shut up, back in back in the day, in the very early uh, times. The other ones would be the Mises Institute in in the United States, and then uh, Off Guardian, which is the publication in the United Kingdom, which is international. They were the only ones who were speaking out. Everyone else shut up. So um, so the whole thing here is we have you you have to challenge uh, the premise. The, and the government doesn't have to prove it. You have to. If the, gov- the government could do whatever it wants, it's up to you to to challenge the government and say you can't do that. It's not legal. Here's why you didn't meet the definition. The definition is, you know, it's it, it causes great harm and all that. And you know, at the time they could they could argue that, but they but they can't argue that there were no reasonable alternatives. There were always reasonable alternatives. Right. And to give you an example of, of in our case, about the reasonable alternatives argued, one of them is focused protection, that uh, a real quarantine is supposed to quarantine the sick people, and to, and then you're protecting the vulnerable. That's what a real quarantine is. They didn't do that. They quarantined the healthy people and let the sick people die. They let the sick people just die. Die in their own, in, you know, in their own um, excrement. That's literally what happened, d- documented by the military. It's horrible, and this is what pe- we did to our elders. Where they, we don't respect our elders anymore. We let them die alone. That's what. That's on. That's on the population of Ontario. People just. I would never settle for that, but that's what people settled for. And so, um, so there's that's focus protection is one thing, but there's also what are the other other three? There's many other reasonable terms, but in in our case, we argued there's vitamin D supplementation, there's ivermectin, and there's hydroxychloroquine. And we have ample evidence of all three. Vitamin D alone has 77 studies that are in, in evidence, submitted over two and a half years ago, in evidence saying that vitamin D alone will crush COVID. And of course it does. But that's not that has not made it into any court. There's no court anywhere has heard that vitamin D3 supplementation can crush COVID. And on that basis alone, you can't have mercy. But what about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Same thing. Absolutely, um, it, is, it is vital in terms of hearing this evidence of reasonable alternatives. And to be clear about the laws that this affects, this is why this case is so important, yet another reason. Number one, the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act and the ROA, which is, imports a lot from that act, which is what shut Adam down, it, there is a provision in there which says if there are reasonable alternatives or that the actual emergency measures is reasonable alternative anything else, if that's the case, then, um, you know, you can't have a state of emergency. If there's reasonable alternatives, any of these things, focus production, vitamin D, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, can't, can't have a state emergency. But there's also in the Quarantine Act, that's all the people who got the $6,200 and $55 tickets, 6255 the 666 tickets, as I call them. All the people who got those, but Joey got one big beat the charge. She beat the charge. But the thing is, a lot of people have been have, have been destroyed in court and oh, there's people who owe $18,000, $19,000 in tickets. All of that was premised on there being no reasonable alternatives. That's in the Quarantine Act, Section 58, 1D. And then in the Emergency Use Authorization, which pushed through remdesivir, run death, run death is near, as some people call it, which pushed through the vaccines, which pushed through the testing, everything. All of that is premised on there being no alternatives. And that's what RFK Jr. pointed out. So if we can win on reasonable alternatives, which we've destroyed the government on this point, we could win on that and the charter may or may not you know be part of that you know the charter section one is premised on that but that's a statutory challenge if we win on that um that's binding on a superior court in ontario the federal court has to take notice the courts of appeal have to take notice the supreme court has to go well based on the preponderance of evidence that's what they found the united states courts have to look too. the federal district courts the US District Courts of Appeal, uh, and as well as the Supreme Court of the United States. So that's why this, this case is so important, because the evidence will establish and has established, and the government can't can't come back from this, as the evidence shows there were reasonable alternatives, and there are reasonable alternatives today to any type of public health measures which involve a respiratory virus. That's the bottom line, and no one has bothered trying this in any court, although it was actually it was tried in the Spencer case, which is a federal court challenge back in 2021, but they didn't have a single expert to challenge on that point. And as a result, the chief justice of the federal court said, so what, you're saying there's reasonable alternatives? And they they didn't argue on vitamin D3 or ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine they just said there's kind of a loose reasonable alternative without expert evidence. So guess what's going to happen in a case like that? It will go nowhere. And then, and then any court will go, all well, the reasonable alternatives, things were tried before. Yeah. But without expert evidence, without any evidence, really it's just opinion. So that's why this case is so important. Yet another reason because it has a, a, a effects, not just Ontario, but all of Canada for the quarantine act. And even in the United States, With the emergency use authorization, which is being still used today to push through vaccinations that really don't have proper approval. And then, of course, Health Canada goes on the back of that and says, well, we can have vaccines in Canada without approval because, well, the United States approved it, or they've at least provided emergency use authorization. That's why you have to challenge this stuff. That's why this is so important. And that's why we can't give up.
0: That's right. And I guess at this point, people are suffering from fatigue. People are getting tired of fighting. It, people really want to forget about what happened. Uh, but we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep fighting because we need to, as, as Jody quite rightly pointed out, um, we, we have to take a stand for our kids for the future to prevent this from happening again.
3: Exactly. And if you know, if you can't come to the event, um, Sarah Swain, she's a business coach, uh, her crew, they, they raised these funds and donated six tickets or enough money to cover eight half price tickets and two free tickets. So even if you don't live in the GTA or in the Windsor area, if you're from another province, pay it forward. There are a lot of really good people who have stood up that tried to say no that fought back and their livelihoods were completely destroyed that really could use a fun night out you know what pay it forward contact us and you can go to our website which has been up in the corner of the screen cccan.org and you can pay it forward buy buy some tickets um donate some money and then we can Run raffles, run draws, and give it to people who really need it. Heroes of the movement. There are so many nurses that lost their jobs because they said no. So many paramedics and police officers that lost their jobs because they said no. Business owners that lost their businesses because they said no. Anybody who basically stood up and spoke the truth or questioned, maybe not even spoke the truth, but questioned the narrative questioned what the government was doing. All the things that our news media should have been doing and didn't, they dropped the ball on questioning. So all these other people who questioned, a lot of them were targeted by their communities And their businesses went under due to that, not even due to the mandates, but just simply because they had the balls enough to question why and ask for proof. Because when you have eyeballs and you can see, and I get the blind can't see, but when you've got eyeballs and you can see, you can look around and see nobody's dying around you. The lady who serves you your coffee in the morning is still there three years later serving you your coffee. You know, nobody... Nobody that is in touch with the public on an every single day basis died. And if you couldn't see that and you decided that the government was correct in saying you were unessential but you weren't, then there's something wrong with that. You had eyes you could easily see without even having evidence put in front of you. You could see something was wrong. And Adam saw something was wrong. He stood up for small businesses. He's still standing up today, even though you know he, he took the heat, he took the harassment, he took the threats, he took the assaults. He was arrested. He lost all his businesses. He literally lost everything. The only thing he had left was his home, which he ended up having to sell to move his young family, three young kids, out of Ontario, the only place they'd ever known as home where their grandparents were, because the assaults and the harassment kept coming because he was brave enough to open his eyes and see that everything the government was saying didn't make sense. And no, I'm not gonna go under without a fight. And so many people went under without a fight and they're gonna continue to drown us out if we don't stand up and fight. So in order to fight, as somebody else said in the chat, freedom is not free. It costs money. We're not doing this because we want to do this. We're not doing this for money, that's for sure. Um, We're doing this because it's right and all of us have children. And I know me as a mom, I want my three kids to have the opportunity to have a good life and to make choices for themselves that make sense. So that's why I'm standing up. And that's why Adam stood up. And that's why everybody needs to stand up. And I say this all the time. If you're not asking why and you're just blindly following what your supposed leaders tell you, then there's a problem. There's a big problem.
0: And and I know that. Adam has been punished taking slings and arrows Many of them coming right from the freedom movement itself, from skeptics who have been exposed to people who have grifted and so on. But that's why you set up the nonprofit corporation to make sure that all of the funds are accounted for and, disp- and used appropriately. And that's why everyone is working for free. And maybe you guys can just once again address that issue to put people's minds at ease so you can assure them that the funds that are donated will in fact be used properly.
3: And we also have a Telegram account or uh, chat set up under CCOC, Concerned Constituents of Canada, where we keep everybody update. And any of our donors that want constant updates, we do that. Um, it is a non-profit corporation, so we are audited by the government. We have proper tax accountants that supply all the information to the government. It is a trust account. Uh, it is two signatures that are required on every single check that goes out. And not only that, we have regular board meetings every Tuesday or every other Tuesday when we don't have uh events happening um we have to we run it just like a corporation we run a proper board of directors meeting we have motions and if we are not unanimous on paying an invoice or a receipt it doesn't get paid so it's got to go through four people who are volunteering their time none of us get paid to do this um, In order for any dime, a single nickel to leave that bank account, that trust account, must be approved by four people and two signatures on every check. So, this is our way of keeping the lawyers honest and keeping um, the pariahs at bay away from Adam. You know, they, it was very public how much the uh, GoFundMe raised for Adam last time around. And he had pariahs that took absolute advantage of him. So this is our way of safeguarding him from being taken advantage of again. Um, it's our way of safeguarding our donors from being taken advantage of and having their money go to something that they didn't intend it to go to. Um, and it
9: is, Jody, it's important to note also that Adam and his legal team do not know how much we have, what we fundraised. Exactly. So just, this is just between the concerned constituents of Canada. That's it. The board members, that's it. So yeah. So this is something that we definitely, you know, we, we, we fundraise, we vote on, you know, just, just exactly as Jody has said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's
0: great. Well, listen, it's coming up at eight 30. I'll just throw it out to the floor. And is there anything else that you guys might want to add or any ground that we haven't covered tonight?
3: Put your dancing shoes on and come out and join us on New Year's Eve. Share a few drinks, share a few laughs, uh, share some amazing, amazing food. And like I said, we're going to be running different games throughout the night that people can, you know, because not everybody likes to dance. We get that. So we're going to have some games going on the side, some some competition. Uh, I know most men don't or most men I know don't like to dance. So we're going to have some friendly competition going on the side to raise a few extra dollars to keep the night fun and light and you know just put on your dancing shoes pull out your yeah. wallets I just want to add to that like we can't forget what
9: happened because we know the emergency is still in the background no one's challenged it so they are going to come back so you know we got our hearing date guys that's huge and we we fought tooth and nail and it was so many of you guys you know that believe in this yeah. just the way we do that's why we did all of this for us for our children for for Canadians for the country for the world even so jump behind this you know let's celebrate let's toast history in the making okay because this (laughs) is history in the making people don't realize setting precedent is historical so you know you know we let's let's do this you know we'd love to see you guys in Windsor or in Toronto and don't forget because we're you know we're all going to end up somewhere if we don't stay home. Right. we're going to spend our money anyway. Don't forget that there's a lot of businesses out there who didn't discriminate. So if you yeah. are going to choose to go out and it's not the fundraiser, uh, please remember to go support those businesses who did not discriminate. That to me is so important. Don't yeah. give your money to the ones who shut their door on your face and made us eat outside with the heaters. I never forgot that in the winter, it was freezing, but we did it as a show. Not because we wanted to, not because we're animals, although we look like animals. We did it to say, yeah, you know what? We'll sit outside in the heat. We'll let you people inside, you know, take a look, fight for us, stand up for us. This is, you know, we cannot forget. That's it. That's all I can say about that. We cannot forget. And we need to support the businesses that did not discriminate. So if we don't see you guys, though, we would love to have you spend your money wisely. The restaurants certainly need it. The ones who, you know, we also, they, they suffered through the lockdowns their payments, their loans are coming due.
2: Mm -hmm. A lot
9: of businesses are are boarded up. I drove through Niagara Falls not too long ago. I couldn't believe how many small businesses are under. Many more are going to tank, okay, because their loans are coming up. So we need to support, you know, the ones that stood with us, okay, because when this comes back, and it will, if nobody challenges and we don't get heard, it will come back. They're going to discriminate again.
0: The convoy, the protests, the marches in the streets, the weekends of waving flags on overpasses, <laughs> the petitions, all of the efforts that, that people have been engaged in all of this time, and it's all coming to a head right now, it seems to me like you guys have got your... You're, you're ducks in a row. You've got it all thought out. You've got a great team. You've got the uh, the proper organization set up to keep all of the funds accounted for. It's all above board as far as I can see. So let's put all the skepticism aside. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is – I'm just going to put my endorsement on it. And uh, I, I think this is a, a great initiative. It's one of the, the most positive things that I've heard of for a whole long time. And, uh, I've been saying for a long time to win. A lot of this stuff has to to happen in the courts. And this is exactly where we are right now. And, uh, and Chris, I'll just throw it back to you for one last final comment. Are we going to win?
4: Yes. (laughs) I, I, I have no doubt that, um, um, a lot of the seeds of destruction have been sown by by the very people who are behind it. Right now, uh, you know, it was disheartening disheartening column in Substack from Jordan Schachtel, who's a lawyer, I believe, by trade. He's a writer for The Blaze in the U.S. And he said, like, you know, everyone who's behind COVID has not only been promoted, they've all made a ton of money. COVID, the COVID-19 um, lockdowns and COVID measures and everything, uh, it was the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of humanity. The previous greatest tr- transfer of wealth in the history of humanity was was the Arab um, oil embargo and crisis in 1973 to 1974. Um, this is greater. Um, you know, We're talking over a trillion dollars. Actually, it was far more than that. It was more like seven trillion. But a trillion, just in terms of the COVID measures themselves, got transferred to the wealthiest or 0.01% of humanity um, while everyone else was, was greatly indebted. Um, And, and where did the debt go? The debt went to people who could least afford it and the businesses who could, who could least afford it. So that's what happened. The, the businesses owe, they do not own, they have all this debt on their backs Uh, All all these other people, these absolute criminals and their criminal abuse, has seen them make hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars. And so I know that's disheartening. But the fact is that it doesn't take much for the pendulum to swing the other way. And, And I've long likened Canada to a boiling pot where it will bust and all hell will break loose, and they're going to have to deal with that. And 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 it's it's really stupid from, from the government's perspective of handling this how they handle it, because they haven't allowed steam to come off. They just want it to all bust, and they think that it will bust violently so they can, you know, sick the police and military on all of us. That's not how it will happen either. Um, all of this stuff will happen when people absolutely – refuse to comply ever again with anything the government does. That's tyrannical. And that's the real great awakening is that all we have to do is simply not comply ever again with anything. The government says that's, that's tyrannical. We simply have to just say no, and then you don't need a court challenge. And I, and you know what, the courts don't like this and they don't have to like it. They can go straight to hell and I'll say it. That's why I'm glad I'm not a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. As I can say, you can go straight to hell. The courts have allowed the administration of justice to to fall into disrepute, to be brought into disrepute. They've allowed, like one of the cardinal rules of the justice system, of the legal system, is that justice should not just be done. It should be seen to be done. Justice is neither being done nor seen to be done. Everyone knows this. We're talking millions of Canadians know that the courts are a farce and that the courts... Look at me saying this. We're asking for money for a court challenge. I'm saying it's a farce. I'm being honest with you. I'm saying that the only way we can do this is to make it absolutely clear that it is prima facie. It's on its face. It is undeniable that these measures killed people, that they were ineffective and they killed people. They bankrupted people. They didn't do anything that they said they would do. And there were always alternatives to those measures. That's the whole point. And any judge can be corrupted or, and honestly, this is the reality of the situation, is most, I know people here might go, no, 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 that's, I don't think so. Most judges were vaccinated. I know like, they're like, no, no, the elites weren't. No, most judges were vaccinated. Most family members of judges were vaccinated. Bottom line, real vaccinated. Most of them, have suffered some sort of adverse effects. It's going on behind the scenes. It has happened. So when I say they, they sowed the seeds of their own, their own destruction, the, the very people that they're using to prosecute their tyrannical agenda are vaccine injured. And so no no judge wants to admit, unless they're absolutely browbeaten and forced to admit that they injected themselves and their families with the equivalent of DDT. That's what we're up against. They will be eventually broken, and they will all have to admit it. Just like, you know, when the em- emperor wears no clothes, they can deny it for only a certain amount of time, maybe a few years. And eventually they have to admit it, and then everything collapses. That's what will happen here. We will reclaim and rebuild our country and our legal system. And and when we do that, we'll, it'll be a great system for a while, and then it will get corrupted again in another few decades or centuries. Hopefully, we maybe we get another couple of centuries out of the new system that we build. But that's, that's how human history is. And so my whole point here is that the injustice continues. The precedents were made, both judicial and legislative precedents, even if the courts never weighed in. They did it. They got away with it. Why not do it again? Who cares what the courts say? They got away with it. They're right now, they're trying to ram through the international health regulations. They're trying to ram through another WHO constitution, which will override our own. They're trying that now. We know what the plans are regarding the Great Reset. They're doing that now. But guess what? There are a whole lot more of us than them. We're talking, what, 11,000 people in one group and maybe a few million in in total of the whole world. There's nearly 8 billion of us. What are they going to do? You look at China itself. That has 1.4 billion people. How many Communist Party members are there? Less than 90 million. They could be overrun in a day, and they know it. They know it. So it doesn't take very much. If you have 2 million people who showed up at a convoy, that's 2 million out of 40. It's 5%. It's a joke. That's enough people. You only need 35 to 4%. It's in a book called Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb, written in 2018, right in you know, right on time for, for COVID tyranny. There's a, a chapter called the, T- the Dictatorship of the Minority. Find it. You'll find it online. Read it. Three and a half to 4% of the population is needed. That's 500,000 people in Ontario, in all of Canada. You know, you need, what is it? Less than 2 million people. We've already we've already succeeded. We, the, we've over-fulfilled it. The rest of it is, if they do it again and right now, um, they're being overwhelmed by by exemptions under immuni- Immunization for School Pupils Act, which is an Ontario law for vaccination mandatory in, in, in schools. Well, guess what? You, you can get an exemption. You've got to take out a form, get an exemption. They're being overrun. They don't know what to do. They're furious. They've been overrun. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Because once you've seen, you cannot unsee you can't there's no such thing as people who have um who have you know like like us who've gone against the narrative we've called it out we're not going to wake up one day in in the next year or two or a few months or whatever and go you know what we're really wrong we're, we we we're going to get vaccinated right away we're we're so wrong we're going to get vaccinated we're going to start wearing face masks we're really scared you know why That can't happen because human nature only goes one way because we've seen and we cannot unsee. And people who have not seen, they will see, and then they will not be able to unsee. And that's why this is a a battle worth fighting because once that happens, and unfortunately we didn't take the easy way out. This is the hard way. Is the easy way or the hard way? The hard way is a lot of economic misery, starvation, death, and destruction. Will there will be a lot more of that, unfortunately, because people chose to simply say no, or some they chose that instead of simply saying no, instead of simply standing up and saying, you know what, just not following this public health nonsense anymore. I'm not closing my business, screw you. And there's a hundred of us, but maybe out of five thousand businesses, there's a hundred of us. Go and shut us down. Go ahead. But it didn't happen. Adam was the only one. That's why this is worth fighting to the very end. Because if you just do that and you just say no, the government takes notice and the government knows they can't get away with it again. What happened in China, right? The Tiananmen Square, 1989. There, was, there were three protest leaders. When one of them folded, they all folded. One of them folded, they all folded. So that's what's gonna, you know, uh, that's what's happened thus far people folded and they didn't do anything in China. People have been folding for many decades. They didn't do anything. They'd rather be absolutely, you know, brutalized by the Chinese communist party. And they tried it in, in Hong Kong, but it's too late. They should have done it in 1997. They waited 12, uh, 20, over 20 years, 22 years too late
9: too late conditioning over time right It's conditioning of the people over time and if we don't stand up if our generation does not stand up our we know our kids are being conditioned right now in the school system so we have to do something now we have to pull the plug now and i agree with you uh chris on you know the corruption in the leak you know in the courts and all that but we have to remember there are good people, and that's done on. De- There's yeah. done by design. It's done by design. Corruption happens from the inside out. They put their bad guys in there. We've seen it with the medical, you know, uh, field. You know, we've got those bad doctors, but we've got a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones that spoke out, spoke up. A lot of great nurses that stepped down, okay, that said no. Um, and we see it with the teachers. You know, we see it in the education system. I should say we've seen it. You know, so a lot of judges are starting to turn in our favor they have yeah yeah. they have turned in our favor why because their families have been affected i've had police officers call me personally to ask me privately what they should do Mm -hmm. you know they need help so there are good people in all institutions okay we need to weed out the bad people okay and this nightmare ends again when we challenge this in court with the evidence We call them out. We call the lies out and we call them out and we hold them accountable. And that's why I cannot, like, I don't know what I'll do with myself. If if this case does not see the light of day, like there's just no other, there's no no other, there's no other case like this. None, none. And,
4: and, And if the courts see that people will not obey a tyrannical law an unjust law, as Martin Luther King said, if people, if the courts see that the courts will have to follow in lockstep with the people. The reason why they did what they did on, this is very unfortunate. We were supposed to be heard June 28th and 29th of 2021. Guess what? The highest vaccine uptake in human history was right at the end of June of 2021. Makes sense. So if we were heard then, and yes, it sucks that we were not. But if we were heard then, all the people were against us. Because they fell into lockstep. They thought, you know what, we're just gonna get vaccinated. And I believe the real number is not 90%, it's about 70%. 20% of Canadians lied, bought the fake vax passes, were the best liars on the face of the earth in Canada. Uh, seven to to eight million people, I estimate, paid one to two thousand dollars for per vax pass for to to fake it. Um and I've talked to people who are absolutely hardcore and they got they caved and got a vax pass. So I know how many people caved and how resolute they supposedly were and they caved. So if that's true, I believe 20% of Canadians caved. And so 20% plus the 70 led to 90%. So the point here is if people refuse to comply in the future, the courts will see that the courts will say that the legislature for Ontario or the parliament of Canada has lost the confidence of the people we're just going to have to defer to what the people want. And that's why ultimately why I think that, that the powers that be um, team Satan, as I call them, why they've lost because they overplayed their hand. They should have never done this. They should have boiled the frog slowly, not done everything in terms of, um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, turn up. The tell heat them heat. what
3: to do, Chris. No, exactly. They've been boiling they the frog slowly for hundreds of years. They are. They want. They They're believe. At me, they want Point to. where they need to tip Let it over now.
9: Their own ego. That's what they've done, and they got themselves in a heap of trouble. And they know we're coming for them. Sharon, yeah. they we're they encouraging were everybody to, to jump out of the pot. It's yeah. time. Yeah. Jump out of <laughs> the jump, pot. Jump, so many are. So many are, and that's what's made me. It's restored my faith in and in everyone. It's the great awakening, not the great reset, which we're hearing now. So this is It a, is the this great good, awakening. This is good. And, and,
4: and yet at the end of the day, I think when, when Klaus Schwab is dead, we're going to all be thanking him for all the great friendships that we formed and for all the people who were wo- woken up so this can never happen again, at least for the next couple of lifetimes, you know, in terms of our lifetimes and our children and grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren. Um, that's, that's the real benefit. That this had to happen. If people are this, if people are this asleep and completely unaware, that this had to happen to wake people up, to put people's life and limb at risk, and that's why I've long said I personally want to see. And I know people will get angry. I personally want to see the government try to lock us down again. It's the because I don't need a redo, right? But I think society does need a redo. I think people who didn't stand up the first time are itching to stand up again. So that's why I want the government to try something even more tyrannical the second time. I don't know I don't know whether it's a cyber security attack with that 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 Amazon was it Amazon or is it just a Netflix series about the, about
3: leave the world the,
4: behind. That's yes. that. You know, they're continuing to do this stuff and now there's actually another movie called Civil War. I just saw a trailer today. Civil granted it on
0: this show at the beginning of the program, yep.
4: That's ah. it, tonight. I just saw
0: it. So yeah. there you go. They're trying, this is what they want. Predictive they want programming. want us to fight each other.
4: They don't want us to fight yeah. the people at top who could easily be overwhelmed, even in their expensive holes that we can smoke them out of in New Zealand and Australia. We, they, they have no chance if we choose to not fight fight each other. And this is what happened with the Million March. The Million March had Muslims, Christians, and Jews, and everyone in between holding hands, saying no more tyrannical garbage against their children. It's over. And all of a sudden, all the lockdown talk, all the masking talk went away. Yeah. That was Chris Skye and a bunch of people were talking about that, saying it's going to come at the end of September. It didn't come because they mm-hmm. said, now we've really poked the bear. We can't do it again. Same thing with the, with, the, with the convoy. The convoy could have easily failed. A lot of people, most people who went got frostbit, but they stayed. And, and they saw it was a massive presence of people. So they know that if it was nicer weather for the convoy instead of 2 million people, maybe you had 10 million people who came out. It's over. It is over for them, and they know it. So that's why I'm saying, come at us. Come at us again. Lock us down again. See what happens this time. See who gets smoked out this time. I dare you. I double dare you. Lock us down again. Mandate vaccines again. I dare you. See what happens. We will take your heads off. Amen.
0: Folks, thank you for this so much tonight, um, Jody. Just uh, we have to wrap up, but I'll just throw it over to you with a one last reminder on how people can support your your cause.
3: Perfect. New Year's Eve, you want to dance, you want to support a great cause, an incredible legal challenge that has, it will have a domino effect for all Canadians who were charged, received fines, um, have cases that are pending. I got a call today about a Rive Can case. So support this fund. If you've got nothing going on New Year's Eve and you're in the Toronto area, come out to the Toronto Dinner Dance Barbecue Rebellion fundraiser. We've got one happening in Toronto. We've got one happening in Windsor. If you can't come to either of those and you can't come and dance the night away, no problem, no problem. Pay it forward. Buy a ticket for someone who can come. Buy a ticket for one of your heroes that have been standing up and maybe can't afford to come. They make great Christmas presents. So contact cccan.org. It's right on the corner of the screen. You can go there. You'll get my phone number and you'll get Sharon's phone number. We are who you talk to, to get the information on how to send the money to buy your ticket, secure your ticket. Windsor, you have to secure your ticket by December 15th. For Toronto, you'll have to secure your ticket by December 21st. And if by some chance you're not in Toronto or Windsor and don't wanna pay it forward, no problem you can donate through our give send, go it's give send go.com backslash bq underscore rebellion because that's what this is this is a rebellion it's a peaceful rebellion but it's a rebellion nonetheless holding our government to account calling out the lies prove there was an emergency before you ever ever take us down again
0: thank guys you. thank you very this, much this i gotta remember. run it's, um, a, it's we got a revolution.
4: Yep. It's it's not just a revolution. It's an evolution. And I posted the, the barbecue rebellion link here in the private chat. I don't know if you can see it. Yep, um, sure. Just realize as long as you, you refuse to um, consent, comply, or obey, and never give in, we, we have this one. Just remember
0: that. Thank you. Okay. Let me just put that in the chat here. That These two links that uh, Chris provided... I'll put them both in here on YouTube and I will post them over on uh, rumble as well. We have a lot of people watching tonight.
3: That's awesome. Hi guys. We're going to win.
0: A lot more. We are winning.
3: The UN admitted, I went to the NYC UN SDG summit and they admitted many times throughout the meetings I was in that they are behind schedule because of people like you continue the fight. There is hope. We are winning and we are pushing back and you can help push back even further by funding this case, either through GiveSendGo and go or coming out and celebrating with us on new year's Eve. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, so thank you, Rick, for, thank you. for, for giving us your show tonight. You to my
9: I love what my you're pleasure, doing.
0: my privilege. <laughs> that's what this whole thing is about. This is why we're here night after night. So thank you guys for all the work you're doing as well. I do have to go. I'm late for a, Another meeting um, online, (laughs) but we will get people updated and you guys come back anytime you want.
9: Thank Uh, you. We'll always make this place available
0: to you. Thank you, everyone. Love you guys. Catch you all tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
9: Love everybody. This has
3: been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.